Hello and welcome to another special edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zachary, I'm your host. Uh, we are in day two of our deliberations for the RPG of the year 2016. For the people who are joining us, um, last time we ran through some of the categories that we had, which was, uh, just to quickly recap, best tangential, best writing, best soundtrack, best art, visual design, biggest surprise, and one to watch. And so uh, we are returning back here for day two. So to quickly explain what we're doing here, of course, uh, as it says, we're counting down. Uh, sorry, we're, we're choosing what we're going to uh, eventually decide is our RPG of the year 2016. Today is the very important day where that is a thing that happens. And so let me quickly uh, reintroduce uh, the people that are joining us in this second day. Uh, first off, we've got Kyle Campbell up on my screen. Hey, buddy. Hey there. What's up? Hey. Uh, Why am I up on your screen? Uh, it's because you're the last person who talked, so Skype likes to show your face. And well, like to look, I, I'm, I'm just staring I'm off glad. in the distance behind you. You've got like, mountains behind you and your avatar. So I, I'm glad you clarified. Not Very that cute. I would have minded. That's awesome. Anyways. You're always at the top. You're, always the, you're, you're my wallpaper at this point. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I can wake up Fair every morning. Uh, Andrew oh. Sharon is also joining mm-hmm. us. Let's not talk about that. Hello. You We've got, got... my last name right this yeah. time. Andrew Sharon, yes, it's not Andrew Torres. It's Andrew. I knew an Andrew Torres. That's how I remember it. That's probably why I got it. We got Josh Torres, unrelated. We're still trucking. Still trucking. We got Aaron Van Dyne. Hey. Awesome. And then we've got the brothers, Adam Vitali. Hey. And we got Brian Vitali. We don't need to bring up the relation. Oh, okay, that's fine. I'm sorry. Adam sounds like he's near death. Right. <laughs> all right and then finally we got boss man alex donaldson joining us hello hello great and so uh darren mcphail who joined us for the first day had to step out for the second half and so he won't be able to be part of this but he did kind of share the games that he wanted to win uh so we'll quickly dismiss those um but we've got, <laughs> Too so bad for those. today today uh we've got just three categories um, first out, and, and just to explain how this is going to work, uh, before this all started a few weeks ago, we all nominated what we ch- wanted to, you know, uh, have be part of the discussion. Not necessarily have to be the winner, but what we wanted to be discussed here. So we've got a collection of at least a dozen games per category. Um, and what we're going to do is quickly uh, figure out which of all those games that we're going to kind of narrow down the list to three and then from those three, we'll be choosing the overall winner. So there'll be one winner, two runner-ups, and uh, the discussion from here on out is going to be kind of heavy. So we'll see how things go. Last year was kind of a, a bloodbath in, in, some, in some cases, uh, especially because mm. you've got, like, was it Bloodborne, Witcher, Undertale, all these games that yeah. were exciting to, to be a part of discussions. And there's no shortage of that here. And so, Alex, of course, you always uh, get to do the honors here. Let's start off with the first category, Best RPG from an Independent Studio in 2016. So, yeah, so obviously this is pretty self-explanatory. This is indie games. Uh, We have on this list some good stuff. We've got Hyperlight Drifter. uh, We've got Momodora, uh, Reverie Under the Moonlight. Grim Dawn, I Am Setsuna, which I want to point out, while published by Square Enix, comes from... Uh, Tokyo RPG Factory, who had a bit of money up Square to set themselves up, but they are an independent studio. Uh, Darkest Dungeon, Stardew Valley, The Banner Saga 2, which is a bunch of ex-Bioware guys, if you don't know, oh, Salt and know. Sanctuary, and SteamWorld Heist. 
Hold so, on one second. Hold on one second. It seems there's a recording thing going on. Or uh, issue. For you. Is everyone recording? I'm recording. No, no, no. Look, look, look at the chat. Okay, you're recording. Everyone's wanted to... Adam wanted to clarify. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. I didn't see the chat. Yeah, definitely recording. Yeah, also me. But it's all good. So... Things are good. We don't... Yeah, we don't want a technical hiccup in this. Please, So, yeah. We, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I'll, I'll recap and we can all... Yeah, I'll recap. So, we have Hyperlight Drifter... Murmadora, Reverie, Under the Moonlight, Grim Dawn, I Am Setsuna, which, as I said, it's published by Square Enix, and Square Enix did help the studio, Tokyo RPG Factory, get up and running, but they are an independent studio. They're not owned by Square. Darkest Dungeon, Stardew Valley, The Banner Saga 2, Salt and Sanctuary, and SteamWorld Heist. Oh, I do want to briefly mention that all three of these uh, other categories that we we're going to talk about so far, all we didn't mention this before, is that they were all the winners of these categories will all be up for the overall RPG of the year. I didn't mention that. Well, so anything wouldn't. that makes it to the top three, we can consider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So exactly. for the final thing. So um, I guess we start as we always start, and 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 we start by trying to cut the list down a little bit. Chop. So, I, this, this is probably probably going to be rude, but do you think I am Satsuna could go? Uh, I'm. I would not make it the first one, but I mean, I'm okay with it uh, going. But I still had an amazing time with it, and I once again I love the music, and it's got. It means I'm, I'm much more excited to see what Tokyo RPG Factory has in the future because they were obviously untested up until now. Even if they say they love RPGs. And, you know, there's, it's very clear that they were directly inspired by some of the greats, especially Chrono Trigger. And, and you know, if, if they are given the reins to maybe touch on maybe... It doesn't have to be an original one. What if they make a new Chrono game is always my dream to think about. What If they have the, if they have the <laughs> ability to do that, have to see in a game like that. But I'm okay with it being cut. Um, Andrew, I know I think, you're also pretty powerful. I think yeah. my problem is, is I'm familiar with a couple of these games, like Hyper Light Drifter and whatnot. But, like, there's so many of these games I'm just not familiar enough with, like Momodora. Grim Dawn and Steamworld Heist. Like yeah, I, just, I can, co- I can cover. Yeah. I can cover two of those. I can call her Mom, Momodora and Grim Dawn. But... Yeah, I, I got I'm Grim cool Dawn. with Setsuna, but yeah. there's one here that I'm going to bat with, like four. So as long as nobody brings that one up, I'm good. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think we all know what it is. But I'm about like, to fight okay, somebody. Walking around the, actually, walking around actually, the <laughs> I know which one I would cut first, and I'm going to make a case for why it should be cut, and that's Salt and Sanctuary. And the reason why I would say Salt and Sanctuary is Momodora, Reverie Under the Moonlight, and Salt and Sanctuary are inspired by Dark Souls, but Momodora is also, the combat is a lot more fluid. It it doesn't copy Dark Souls to a T to the point where Salt and Sanctuary is just 2D Dark Souls. That's what it is. And, they're, and the developers themselves aren't, they're not shy about that at all. Yeah. Uh, but, but Momodora is... It very much has its own unique aesthetic. It also it has so good. It has <laughs> really, it's so yeah. Awesome. It is. It has really, really good platforming. It is. It is a very good, uh, you know, I hate you know Metroidvania type game that's also inspired by Dark Souls. So if I that's my case against Salt and Sanctuary is Momodora is a similar thing, but it's way better and way more its own thing. I can agree with that. Like a, I, I feel like a. Momodora and Salt and Sanctuary just occupy too much of the same space. I think Momodora is the the better one of those. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, any other nominations for cutting? So, oh, this is a difficult category to yeah, reach to cut. So few of them. That's what probably makes it worse um, compared to the others. I, I, 
I feel like Salt and Sanctuary for many of the reasons we discussed when we discussed it on the previous episode when we talked about it in the um, it was in the art category. Um, but I feel like a lot of a lot of what's been said about that game in that category stands up to the whole thing, just in terms of I don't know. It's 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 just Dark Souls, like yeah. yeah. It's like it's like a it's like a band covering your favorite song. It's, and it's that sounds very reductive, what, though, when you consider like how much work I'm sure went into this. I, I know I'm not trying to be an asshole or anything. I really like the developers, <laughs> but 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 there but it is it there is a point where it's like the art is the same, the gameplay is exactly the same. They have bonfires. They have the same kind of shortcuts, like. And like when you go into an enemy, uh, when you when you meet a new boss, the same kind of thing happens. Like like if you watch footage of this game, and if and if I were to not cover up the name and just say, yeah, this is the the new two D Dark Souls that they're making, yeah, you could probably assume that. Like yeah. you, you probably wouldn't question it. Like I'm I know it's kind of a dick thing to say, but um, that that's what it is. And I even remember when I talked to the developers, like you you can't talk about this game and not talk about Dark Souls because they say like when they were making the game. Apparently, they got a whole bunch of requests of, like, literally people asking, can you put Solaire in it, who is a character from Dark Souls? Oh, <laughs> my gosh. That's dumb. Nice. I mean, I, I would say, like, next year, I feel like Death's Gambit's going to be also up here because it's, like, a 2D Dark Souls type of game, but it does so much more with, like, Colossi yeah, yeah. and, and all the grappling and, and the traversal and, and platforming. But, uh, yeah, it sounds like Salt and Sanctuary, as cool as it sounds, and I saw Josh play some of it. Uh, it's not going to hang. Sounds like Momodora is inspired. You know, it wears its influences on its sleeve, but it's very much its own thing. That's what I would argue in favor of. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that that does that does remind me though that like uh, another uh, game that we didn't mention, but it's uh, inspired by Final Fantasy 15 was that uh, Korean RPG. Yeah, he's going to be on PlayStation or at least potentially Sokken. I forgot what it's called, but it's not Jakey name. It, it, like he saw the early Final Fantasy 15 trailer and decided to make his own version of that just from his own and he didn't really know much about game development so he taught himself anyway no, no reason to talk about that but it's 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 just kind of cool just reminded me of that yeah, cover covered games uh, who what about Steam World Heist who who's that's played the, that that's Steam World Heist is one I don't know about Steam World Heist is basically um uh, I love Steam World a, t- a 2D XCOM as uh, as the best way to put it but it's it's like you have these uh, your party of, like little robots that uh, are in this like kind of almost like a rebel galaxy kind of premise where you go around in your ship and you're kind of you know obviously uh, raiding other ships uh, for for their loot. So it's not not like rebel galaxy in the sense like it's a ship on ship combat, but you're like you're you're raiding these ships for for their, for their loot. But the, the combat is done via like re- turn based, but in kind of like in a real-time premise. So, like, every time you move, it's a certain amount of spots. Obviously, you can, like, uh, move and then attack, or you can go to the extended space, and then you can act after that, much like XCOM. Uh, what makes it very... Uh, gives its own identity is that there are certain properties in combat that you have to think more vertically, unlike XCOM, because there are... You have to... There's multiple layers unlike the ship, and the, some of your uh, weapons can have, have ricochet bullets. So there are times in which like you can you can actually like, snipe an enemy with a pistol if you get like the ricochet uh, trajectory just right uh, for that. And of course, there's already auxiliary systems like uh, you know, of course, uh, rare loot uh, to upgrade like different uh, classes of weapons like uh, pistols, uh, snipers, 
uh, shotguns and whatnot, along with other utility things like grenades. And you see like an arc winner, but their grenade will do a certain amount of damage. It's very much like XCOM, but I think it de definitely deserves to stick around because it's such a fascinating like strategy RPG-esque thing that like you it goes beyond just being a 2D XCOM. It goes, it goes beyond just its main influence because you have to think about like like three to four moves ahead of like how is this enemy going to respond will it uh, try to like game for my character because there's not really permadeath in that game like but you do lose out an experience like you can uh deploy with like a certain like two to three guys at once sometimes they're solo missions but like when a character dies they're not like uh, dead permanently you can get them back at the end of the mission for like um for like a cost but they don't get any experience out of that like raid and like if you hardy wipe that doesn't mean that like you have to start the game over or like uh, recruit a new uh, team, you just uh, you have to pay like a, a heavy uh, sum uh, to to get get back your team. But it's it's actually a very fascinating game, and I think it it deserves to stay at least one more round to see where it uh, stands. Mm. What about that was convincing? Uh, yeah, I I totally yeah. put that. I I never got to play Banner Saga two. What's the feeling? Me neither. I haven't played it. Well, I only played a little bit of it. I so didn't I really much like really... Banner Saga 1 other than the art, so... I've yeah. played it, and uh, I don't think I'm that down on it, but I, I love the art, and I love kind of the overarching narrative, but I think the gameplay is just kind of uh, simple. It's oh. it's there. It's, it's nothing like... I don't go into a battle, like, excited about what enemies am I going to see or whatever like that. It's just more like... Well, hopefully this doesn't take too long. You know, that's never a good feeling. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a good feeling. Yeah, I don't think I could sell it quite like Steam World Heist has just been sold. So I would say cut Banner Saga over that. Okay. Yeah, but, but it, 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 I can't stress enough that, that both of those games are really, really, really good. Um, as in Banner Saga 1 and 2. Mm -hmm. um, so, but yeah, I don't think... I can think of one what? more thing to cut. One more thing. Okay. One more. Uh, I would say that Grim Dawn can probably be cut. And uh, see, the interesting thing about Grim Dawn is, I oh. do think it's a it it, it is a good game. Um, it's it's what being made by the, it's former like th thq like it's the form people that made the original Titan Quest more or less. Titan Quest is so awesome. Um, but the thing is, I think Titan Quest was a way better game than oh, Grim Dawn. Uh, like <laughs> like. It, the thing is, I, I find I find Grim Dawn to be a little, I don't know. It doesn't set itself apart enough from other action RPGs, and and it's, I, I can't imagine why someone would play this game. What it does distinctly different from Titan Quest because it's more just like a, a Titan Quest game, but with this darker aesthetic, and it's also, you know, you could play something like Path of Exile for free, and it's a lot better in my opinion. Um, you know, I just, I just, I don't think it does anything super special. I, well, I, I just want to speak in support of it, and that I think every single aspect of Grim Dawn, I think, does brilliantly well. I will admit that it gives a little too much with like, okay, I'm going to give you this map. Now let's fill it with about a thousand enemies, for, so you can take some <laughs> off where you can complete this quest because you're too busy killing monsters and not much focus on the story itself. Um, I love the world. It's kind of Lovecraftian in the way it's, it's like Kyle said, it was like a dark style, but like there's there's like corpses everywhere. There's like all these crazy designs that are all over the place. I think the music is extremely good. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it's also got sort of that same tone. It's got like a mix of different instruments. Like I'm pretty sure I heard like there was like horns and like steel guitar and these uh, other 
like uh, uh, the accompaniments was pretty great. Like it mixed traditional design, like Diablo music, with uh, some more uh, old old Western type of of music, uh, which was kind of mm-hmm. cool. And I thought that the the class based system was great. There's like I think there's like six classes that were in that game, and they all have got like this huge skill Branching tree path. that was pretty cool. Yeah. And you can even like you can even dual class, and so you can mix your classes together, yeah. and they take off the different uh, abilities it's... from both. It's totally everything Zach's saying is totally on point. It's a good game, but compared to what else is on the list, I think it doesn't do enough different. I I don't know. Again. I, I mean, as much as I love some of these games, I I would put it above some other ones. But you know, that's I I don't know if I'm, I'm what 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 ones then? I would put it above Hyperlight Drifter. I I, I did say, mention earlier how much I like the art style, but other than the art style, I wasn't I didn't fall in love with the gameplay. I haven't played that, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I, so, I would put Mobadora above Grim Dawn, but uh, I mean, it's that's about where I stand right now. I at this point, do we want to start? Oh, sorry. Do we do we want to start about, <laughs> like yeah, like what ones we're wanting? Because yeah, first, since I saw this list, that's, I knew. Which I think it's too I soon to be doing because we haven't heard the arguments for all these games yet. I think because I knew. Uh, it, well, you know. Yeah, we don't have to, but I figure like it's it's it's, it's not bad. I okay, think. I'm going to say something, and then I'm going to let Andrea. Uh, disagree. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, I'm ready to fight. Is this going to be the rest of the podcast? I, 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 started up Stardew, I started up Stardew Valley because I heard so many good things about it. And after about two hours, I couldn't think of something I wanted to do any less than play more Stardew Valley. I don't. It's maybe just not the type of game for me, but I felt like it just took forever to do anything, it's whether it was explore the town or talk to something. people or do the farming stuff. So okay. I don't really see what's so great about Stardew Valley. So what's so great about Stardew Valley? Um, <laughs> oh, that's a terrible <laughs> setup. The building block of any good game is are there boyfriends? And <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> man, that's, I guess most games are out. <laughs> They're not ugly right? looking boyfriends but, at Grim Dawn. <laughs> but, but no, um, Stardew Valley, I feel like um, maybe it's just because for years I was starved of Harvest Moon because Harvest, Harvest Moon hasn't been good since early, early, uh, just regular DS. It has been trash ever since. Um, and the story of seasons, I mean, it, it's good, but it kind of adds some, some gimmick then that I don't like. And so it never really scratched that itch. It's but if early, you yeah. liked Super Nintendo Harvest Moon, but it, it's like that, but better. On steroids. I would put this above. Yeah, like How's I would put better? this above. Um, so all of your options in the original Harvest Moon. I guess are kind of expanded upon, so maybe not like so um, narrow. I guess I don't know. Well, okay, so uh, from what, and this is just from I've I've watched a ton of Stardew Valley. I haven't played it yet, mm-hmm. and that's why I said I was waiting. I think it's great in that they do a lot more development on the people that you can have a relationship with, and it's both right. opposite and same sex, uh, from what I understand. And so that's right. that's something that Story Seasons. Like I interviewed the guy, the producer, and they were like, you know, we'll think about it. I think it's great that they go there, but also that they do a lot with those characters. And that's something that Harvest Moon doesn't do so great. And that right. you'll find that person you like, whether it's that girl from the bar or like that person who helps out at the the church or whatever. But um, I think that Stardew Valley is, as a lot of 
as as a ton of writing in it, which is surprising for a game like that. But also, um, yeah, it's it's you've got a lot of stuff to do in the game itself, whether it's like the farming aspect of it or going through those uh, caves and whatnot and climbing up through the caves to the different levels and decide when it's time to you know get out of that cave and take what you you gain and, and leave the place. So there's a lot of combat, which is kind of like Rune Factory in a sense, like that. So it it blends all these different genres together. I will understand what Adam's coming from because it is a lot of busy work and it's a lot of you right. know, setting your schedule at the beginning of each day. Okay, I got to do this, 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 and this. And it's a lot of work. Yeah, and there I is a, keep things there, straight. There, there is a time, repetition to it, but the repetition is almost part of the beauty as well. Yeah, it's a right. comfort. It's, it's, if it's, time it's, management games aren't your thing, then absolutely, yeah. I would say no to Stardew that's Valley. Fun. That's, a, that's but, why it's a simulator, right? Yeah. Right. And so I think hmm. that Stardew Valley, I think from what it accomplishes, and it's something that it's crazy that it's like this game that came out of sort of nowhere, and then it kind of captivated mm-hmm. a lot of people. I got a lot of people talking, and it's it's weird because like I brought up the question about Stardew Valley at the to the producer of Story Seasons, and he seemed like, yeah, we've seen it. We thought it was pretty amazing, and and you know we're, we're getting a lot of ideas from it. We he like he even said he talked to them, like they reached out to each other and talked to each other about that stuff. Um, and to yeah. oh. Go on, okay. I'm done. Okay. Uh, to me, to expand upon what you were saying, I mean, Harvest Moon has always been kind of like fanfare, like the most basic interactions with characters. Like, um, it does remind me of Otome games in the sense of it's just like the bare minimum of character development. Like, it's total trash. Like, yeah. I mean, we all know that's like one of my favorite genres, but I'm not going to pretend like they're going to get nominated for their writing <laughs> at all. But. The Bad Apple Wars 2017 <laughs> game of the year. Look, that one looks good. We'll right. talk about it next year. <laughs> okay, good. I'll um, see you. But Stardew Valley, I guess, in terms of those types of games, like the character development, the places you go with, some of those side characters, kind of unexpected. Um, yeah, it's dark I love at times, it. too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I do. I do love it. It is a little different from from Harvest Moon's traditional but um, you can't. Yeah. Can't you kill your baby and back to nature? I think you can. I or Anne will kill your baby. Kill so your baby. That's, it does that's get the game. Can you kill <laughs> your baby? In this? Okay. Um, so I'm not very now. familiar with Harvest Moon, but from when I played a Stardew Valley, there's almost like this Majora's Mask element. Like you gotta mm-hmm. start to learn like what are these people's schedules? Like oh, this person on yeah. weekdays yeah. goes oh, here, yeah. and this person goes oh. here. Is that like a Stardew Valley thing that's unique to it, or is that also something that's kind of like uh, inspired by a Harvest Moon game? I don't know. You know what I'm um, saying? Like when I think Stardew Valley, it's pretty obvious. Like, oh, so this there's person schedules. there's definitely is... schedules to the NPCs. Right. You got to meet them at certain times of the day. And yeah, you said you didn't play Harvest Moon. That was kind of the same is... thing with Harvest Moon. Okay. Uh, and that, like, for example, like the bar is only open at certain nights. So if you want to develop a relationship, you have to go there at that time. But yeah, there's like festivals that go on, and that's actually the ca- same case in Stardew Valley. There's like festivals, and you have like the farmers market and stuff like that. So if you got all these vegetables. Right can find the perfect time and it's it goes through all these seasons as well so it's which is once again original harvest moon also had four seasons so you got to sell that so it's a lot of keeping track of that but there's also like weather effects so like the time when it's raining it's crazy how much original harvest moon had because i remember it raining in there but i think it's 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 pretty amazing and there's like there's like livestock and then you got to concern yourself when the merchant's going to come by and like there's like stock i think there's like socks you got like buy it low so high it's it's all over the place i think it's it's yeah i mean i mean the the other the other cornerstone people have mentioned harvest moon a lot but the other cornerstone i guess is animal crossing yeah yeah, um, yeah i forgot about that that's a good comparison like clearly because so, yeah you mentioned there's the sort of the buy sell thing that's built in that's very similar to the turnips and all that sort of stuff and it's just 
it, it, it's a but it's a game that more than say an Animal Crossing, it feels to have such a a, a wider breadth of things to do. Mm-hmm. Way more um, people to meet, and they, the vigil, villagers actually come and go as well, so they might not like be you can, there all the time. Yeah, and you and you can Move play out. the game socially more like an Animal Crossing game, or you can play it as a more serious farming sim, or you can play it like a RPG dungeon crawler. And there is a dog. You know, there is a dog. And there is a dog. <laughs> there we go. Dog. Here we go again. Dogs are boyfriends if they have them. Oh my god, no! <laughs> they, they, if they combine the two, like a dog boyfriend, then it's all over at this point. Uh, Jesus, guess Stardew is disqualified. Oh boy! Uh, but like yeah. this, like so, Stardew may not be my thing, and that's totally fine. But mm-hmm. um, f- like from it seems like it's almost like this year's Undertale. It just kind of like came out of nowhere, and then like once it's like started hearing about it everywhere and seems like it's very very well loved not as bad an audience as a as a fan base though i'll say that yeah <laughs> undertale's fan base is way worse uh but stardew valley i think has got enough going for it yeah it, it feels it feels a lot like this year's undertale in a sense yeah i do which agree. is no bad i could see that um, and so, not so I think, it, I, I mean, basically, what I'm getting at is, is this is it is definitely top three material, and, yeah, yeah. and I, I would make a good argument for it being the winner. But anyway, me too. But what is, but what isn't top three material? Here? Uh, I mean, Darkest uh, Dungeon, I think, is an amazing experience, and it's it's it goes places. How dark and depressing it gets, but also like the sense of accomplishment that you get from being able to survive going through these dungeons where it's literally having to deal with all these mental conditions of your of your other uh, party members and the, the real sense, the gravitas, the, the sense of loss that you get when the, the person on your team uh, you does die. Kind of like XCOM 2, you know, or XCOM in general that you talked about like in your RPG uh, article as well and that uh, you've, you develop these connections with these party members and it seems like it's so strong there that when you do lose them it seems like you've it's it's profound in a way, and it it really gets to you. Like I still remember some of the party members that I lost, and it really it hit me hard because I uh, that's the thing I love about RPGs is that if it's say um, like if I make a custom character, I develop that story in my head. Their backgrounds. I mean, the Darkest Dungeon characters do have their own backgrounds, but I even add more to it, and that's how I develop these relationships with my party members. And I think Darkest Dungeon goes in these places, and. Um, over the time, to- over time, when you do build up your characters and get them stronger and stronger, you invest a lot of time into them. Um, it just becomes so fun and so enjoyable being able to deal with these dungeons that you- or these or these places that you had such trouble with. Eventually, you become more than powerful to withstand that stuff. But then, as the game goes on, the challenge returns, and it it, it once again uh, becomes fierce in a way that I, I appreciate it. It's addicting in that sense too. So uh, let me just talk about Hyper Light Drifter because it's the only one I played. Now the thing here, the thing is, is like I wasn't a huge fan of it. Like I, I like some pieces of it, but like I'm not gonna be like fighting for it, even though it's the only one I played. So like the art style is pretty neat and nifty, and I even said before it's almost style over substance. The thing I really kind of didn't like about it is that despite being a relatively short game, it is a little bit repetitive. Um. In terms of, even though you get like new dashes, dash moves, and new guns and things like that, I still feel like the gameplay is not really very changed from the beginning to the end. So it kind of feels like you're doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, once you're you're stuck in a strategy, you usually don't really switch it up in that game. It doesn't really fully explore what could 
it, it's not it's not it's, there's not enough variety in the gameplay and then like you kind of do the same thing four times in a row like okay go to this region you're looking for keys you're looking for these little uh triangle diamond things and then you like basically you're trying to find your way around to a boss and then you kind of like do that four times over I know you can boil down any game to sound like it's yeah. the same thing over and over. It's but a Valve like... game, but all these games are, you know? <laughs> I, I just feel like it was a little bit more repetitive than a, that type of game should be. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so like, if we drop it out of the top three, that's fine by me, even if it's the only one I'm really familiar with here. Because I feel like I feel like this, the, the art style is really only one of the best things about the game. And the gameplay itself, it's not like it's bad or anything. I just kind of feel like it's not outstanding. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, mm. cool game though. I still think uh, yeah. Dawn should go. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, well, why don't you talk about Momodora some more? Because I played only some of it, but it was awesome. But I only played some of it. Does it hang here what, with the best RPG? I mean, it's totally. Well, I, I feel like it's an RPG, but that's you know, that's not what I mean. I mean that that is the one thing about Momodora. It was why I wouldn't go to war for it or anything like that. Is it's not like it's more like like. I don't know how much of an RPG do you consider Castlevania Symphony? I, I, I do not consider a... it to be an RPG. I'm not saying it's not an RPG. Sure, sure. I think it is one, but I'm saying like if you were, it's like, definitely debatable. Yeah, it's one of those I, things that's... like people are always on the fence. People are always on the fence about whether. Yeah, that's um, it's more like. I mean, I, I, I mean, I even talked to like Rom Scout. It was like you know the best. He's like one of my friends. He's one of the best like Symphony players in the world, and he doesn't even really consider that game an RPG. No. So I'm trying to thinking like. Is Momodora that? It's I, not, that, that's what, uh, sorry, go ahead. It's it's it, it's very much inspired by, you know, obviously Dark Souls, but I wouldn't say that it, you know leveling up is not a big thing in it. It's more about platforming, more about getting new items and making you more powerful. Um, it's more, uh, you know, it's a two D platformer. I think I think it's I think I I would go to a bat for it if it was the best for being maybe the best game on this list, but I don't know if I would say it was the best RPG. So I don't know. I, I feel mixed bag on that, but I, I do think it's excellent. I do think everyone should try it. Yeah. It's really, I, I, wish, I, I, I wish I played Momodora. I definitely, because I, I have a friend who speeds runs Momodora. I wish I, uh... I was, I was going to mention that actually is that if you want to see one of the best runs in the most heartfelt moments is go see summer <laughs> games done quick, half coordinated, did the run through of that game. And that was very powerful. Uh, thing to watch, uh, especially when you hear him talking about it. But Momodora is, is a brilliant game. It's got a crazy core cool art style, and it's got it's very addictive as well. Kind of dark as mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, it's one. Yeah, it, it's very it's really tough too. So keep that in mind. Oh, totally. It's it's a real challenge. Yeah. yeah, but I think that it's it's it feels like it maybe should have gone more towards that tangential category. Now that we think about it, but it's it's still, yeah. I would say it's it does it does more of an RPG thing than the other no, games no. on that list, but. Let me let me ask. This is my sheer ignorance. Is Stardew Valley an RPG? Yes, we do absolutely. Yeah, one hundred and ten percent. Okay. Um, no, there's no doubt about that in my mind. Just because of the nature of, mm-hmm. of how well, that game plays. I, I don't know. I don't know if they self-describe it as an RPG, but like the they Steam do. tags. They do. In the, they do okay, and I know the Steam tags like that are user generated. Yeah, that's not, we can't RPG. rely on those things. Oh, but Steam World High they're better than they used to be. So. Steam, Steam, I mean, if you if you consider XCOM two an RPG, that, that's that, that's what it boils down to because it's, it's definitely like a two D uh, XCOM. So, well, we don't, mean, though. Yeah. Okay, so well. I mean, it has RPG elements. It has you know, it's it's like like XCOM. That's all I can really say. You know, like if you consider XCOM an RPG, 
Yes, if not, no. Then I guess I, it, I would. Yeah, I, I would strike through Momodora and Grim Dawn. Honestly. Oh, I did that on accident, but <laughs> I guess it works. No, no, I would. I would. I would. Oh, say that. I would. I would yeah. actually cut Steamworld before Grim Dawn, but that's just me because it's 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 that argument that uh, Josh was just talking about. About what? I'm sorry. I I don't want to just be so dismissive of Steamworld Ice like that because I've heard really good things about it. But I I was wondering about that argument because Grim Dawn is very much an RPG. Because so keeping in the spirit of that. Yeah. But Adam, as the one who played it, would you call it an RPG? I didn't play Grim Dawn. Oh no, Steamworld. I didn't. Uh, Josh played Steamworld. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Your voices. Yeah, sorry. Josh. Okay, yeah. You guys' voices <laughs> so close. Josh, I'm sorry. I mean, I. Be- because me, I consider already XCOM an RPG. I mean, this one just—it's more of that's that. why like, you're you, arguing about it. I'm sorry, that makes so much yeah. sense now. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not looking at the screen enough. Uh, but you know, I mean, th- this has all the, the all the traits of it. Your characters level up; they gain new abilities. To you know, like say you get a power shot in your next one, it'll uh, you get a powered up shot. It takes a it's a three turn cooldown to do it. Um, you you can also raise your stats as well through leveling up. You recruit characters, whether by, by reputation, and there's this whole reputation mechanic where you go through these stages. And if you uh, there's certain like uh, like star objectives, like uh, getting out of there without any casualties, uh, re- lets you retain those stars. They can use as recurrency, you know, to recruit characters, unlock new weapons. Uh, there's just like there's a party loadout before uh, a mission starts, and you know you have your cover. Uh, it's not like the half cover, full cover, like an XCOM. It's usually just, uh, but there's destructible cover. Uh, like almost everything's like destructible cover, and it, um, like, it's it's just one of those. It's like, it has a lot of RPG elements. I don't know if the core, ga- if you guys would consider the core gameplay, which is turn-based cover strategy, like XCOM, to make this uh, to be one of the best RPGs for uh, to fulfill this category. I mean, mm. it, has, it has a great it has a great style to it. I mean, it has like say, space cowboy, but you know. I'll say this: you, you've made me want to play it for sure. Um, it looked really cool because we I put it on like the best upcoming RPGs or best upcoming games of uh, 2015, I think. And so I was already kind of I knew about it, but yeah, I totally want to play it now. Well, hmm. it depends on you guys. That's a, that, that's my pitch. For it. I would I would. Uh, I think I think it sounds pretty clear what the winner is here. We know what the winner is, but we we still want to get down to three for sure. Mm, that's yeah, I I uh... of all these games, it seems like Darkest Dungeon is the one that I like. I mean, I'm only going by other people's impressions, but that seems like the one that most easily is cut to me. You just don't like any of my arguments for games, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Every time it's like you sound boring me. No, I'm, I'm just kidding, man. But uh. I think Darkest Dungeon is an incredible game. I, I had a lot of fun with it, and going back to town, uh, trying to keep everybody on the same wavelength and keeping their spirits high and focusing on... It feels know, it feels, it feels feels like, to be fair, it feels like the game that maybe there's been the least said about in this section. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing that I would say. Like, it, you know, it feels like the one that there's the least passionate... You oh, know, sorry, oh my god. <laughs> I think I think I think I think Darkest Dungeon, from what I've seen, is an excellent game, though. So, like, like my argument would be, I still think Grim Dawn should not be top three because there's there, you can play better action RPGs, RPGs that are free right now than that well, game. I I still want to kind of I don't want to harp on this, but though is that if XCOM two doesn't belong here, does Steam One Heist belong here? Because I think mm. that might be doing a disservice to XCOM two if we're not going to consider that game, which seems like kind of the epitome of the strategy game of this year. 
to be uh, not nominated if Steamroll Highs mm-hmm. is also an, a strategy game, first and Fair foremost. Enough. I don't mm. wanna I don't wanna devalue any of these games because I fucking love independent games, but I just want to be mm-hmm. sure. Oh well, to make this list at all, all these games are phenomenal. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I I want to play all yeah. of them, uh, even the ones we struck through. Everyone mm. should play Momodora. Everyone. Yes. I, I definitely do. I need to play, play the rest Momodora. of that because I got a couple hours in. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> And Kiro oh. Blaster, play Kiro Blaster, because that's the cave story, guys, and that game was awesome. Anyway, sorry, talking about other things. <laughs> but I, this, this is tough. This is the hardest one so far, because we're all, like, not sure. It's the definition. No, none of us have, well, I'm, I'm sure of who my winner is, but beyond that, I'm, yeah, I, I'm, I'm. I like, I, I, like, I, like I said, it all boils down to whether you think Steamworld Heist it, the gameplay of it being like XCOM, yes or no? That's here's the thing: being a small independent game, even if it SteamWorld Heist wouldn't have had the chance to shine in that stacked tangential category. So mm-hmm. I almost don't mind bending the rules a little bit for a quality, mm-hmm. you know, and saying, well, let it be nominated in this one, even if it isn't the sharpest, most complete fit. So it does get because it's a game that's worth a nod. You know what I mean? I like mm-hmm. Grimdown more than Diablo 3, but I'm not going to sit here and fight over it because I think Darkest Dungeon definitely belongs. I'd put, I I like that more than Grimdown. <laughs> okay, uh, so like it, in, my, in my mind, it's Darkest Dungeon, Stardew, and SteamWorld for top three. Well, because... Zach seems to be the biggest defender for Darkest Dungeon and Grimdown, and he's saying Darkest Dungeon is his preference over those two, so maybe we should just but go it's, with it's, that. But yeah. it's still, it's still <laughs> the definition, though, because I, once I, I hate harping on it because I am, uh, but... You know, if we're if it means best RPG from a new studio, if we're going to bend the rules for it, you know, uh, I'm not going to fight giving independent games their recognition because well, like, I loved all of it. Still, mm, yeah. Well, um, does anyone have a, a penny? Actually, no one does. Uh, <laughs> I'm flip a penny. Coin? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to okay. D and D dice. Yeah, but I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna I. Hmm. I think we cut. I think we cut Grimdawn. Yeah, I think you do. Yeah. I don't think it. I don't think it does enough to stand out from the other action RPGs. And I think there are way better action RPGs that you can play. I, I will mention because... that uh, the developers of Grimdawn did such a fantastic job with the updates for that because you see so many of those games for like Kickstarter and independent games that just go quiet and don't do much. They are clearly very much, kind of like Nuclear Throne was, and that they're very much paying attention to their audience, and they have such huge updates, adding so much content to their game, that now Grim Dawn is just a massive game with so many quests, and like I mentioned, like all these classes and skill tree and all this I think, stuff. I think, I think, I think we don't need, you know, it's clear that it's, it's really good. We Absolutely. don't need to harp on that too much. Anything very on true. this list is really good. But I just think the top three is Darkest Dungeon, Stardew, and Steam World. Just making sure that right. people listening to this who like action RPGs definitely need to play Grim Dawn. And it's not even think, it's been on sale. I think so many based times. on the last based on the last half an hour they will have got <laughs> they, they will have, they will have, they will have picked up on that. Oh like, sure, sure, sure. It's good. So is Stardew now, our winner? Stardew is I think is over a winner, right? I, guess I so. don't I think it's an absolute no brainer. Does anybody object? No, I, nope. I, I, I think it's a fantastic game. No, uh, all right. Uh, like so Stardew is such a, a different beast. Absolutely. All right. So we've got best RPG from the independent studio in 2016. Runner-ups: 
Darkest Dungeon, Steamwood Heist, and the winner, Stardew Valley. Uh, it's out on PlayStation 4 in a few days as of this record. It's going to be out by the time this is up, and then it's coming yep, to it Xbox yeah. One the day after, then Switch next year, one of the early Switch-confirmed games. So that's one of those games that might be great to have on the go. We'll find out. Now moving into best small-screen RPG of 2016. Alex, feel free to go over those. Okay, so we have in this category this is a pretty stacked category i think boy uh, pokemon I think Sun this is and the Moon. yeah i agree yeah it's been a good year for um for, for handheld and mobile <laughs> we have pokemon sun and moon fire emblem fates uh shimigami tensei for apocalypse stranger of sword city uh shiren the wanderer i'm not going to read the full title of the game <laughs> it's japanese uh, trials of trials of cold steel 2 uh, mario and luigi paper jam God, that was a January game. That was. Uh, Destiny Child. Not to be confused with the music. music. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just want to hear him say it. (laughs) Romancing Saga 2, Project Cross Zone 2, and Valkyrie Anatomia. Okay, we can cut Destiny Child because it's a Korean mobile RPG that's got a gotcha style. It's from the same person who did the art for um, War of Genesis and Magna Carta, so it's got a crazy designs, but it's very... So it's very so boob heavy. That's the real reason why it's Hauntai <laughs> Kim. Yeah, it's 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 a bizarre game. I just want to mention that because last year I brought up Battle Goal High School, so I figured I need to have a mobile a foreign mobile game to be on this list too. But I'll cut that for sure. Hey, I, I think I'm we should also child. cut Valkyrie because it's not even out. Yeah, it's not gotcha. even out this year. Like like I like I said earlier, but I feel like it's worth mentioning. It's not it's not it's not a garbage game. I, there's definitely interesting systems and how they adapted the Valkyrie profile gameplay system into a mobile framework. Like you're not rolling for characters, you're rolling for weapons. Uh, in it. Uh, that said, like the most outstanding thing about it, surprisingly, is just like how well in tune they are with their uh, just uh, the, their storytelling in it. Because it's definitely there's actually like you know part of the Valkyrie Profile One story that's like a prequel to it, uh, and it's it's a fascinating project. I just wish it wasn't uh, restricted by the framework of the Japanese mobile market. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a theme. Uh, not not necessarily in this category right now, but just in the market in general. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think we should cut Paper Jam. I'm not sure who else played it, because I it's certainly... It's not an RPG, though. Well, it is an RPG. It is? Yeah, um, it is. Oh, sorry. It's not, it's, it's, it's not like Paper, Paper Mario. Mario. Sorry. Yeah, you're, <laughs> thinking, you're, you're thinking of Color Splash, I think, yeah, which is definitely it. not. So Paper Jam, I played and reviewed way, way back in January. I don't know if anyone else even played it, because I didn't put it No here, one so remembers it. Did. Just kidding. But it's, I think it's like a mechanically fine game, but it's, it's easily outclassed by other Mario and Luigi games, like the first one or Bowser's Inside Story. And or the like, second one or the third one? Well, it's, I think it's probably better than those, but it's just... It's 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 an okay game, but it doesn't it doesn't stand out. So yeah, mm-hmm. just I, cut it. Uh, okay. Uh, also, like one thing one thing is that it's mechanically maybe like it might be the best battle system in the Mario and Luigi series, but the writing was really disappointing, and that's one of the things about that series that was originally one of its draws was that it was kind of this clever comedic writing, and then Paper Jam kind of really fell flat on that. So yeah, uh, yeah ironically, it is that thing of of. Um... It almost feels like Sticker Star in that sense, or it's like they took out any memorable characters and things like that. And and, and, and Color Splash is the inverse of that. It's hilarious and a terrible game. <laughs> no, it's just one of those weird, one of those weird things. What it, what is this like, like 
Blind Guardian album cover named The Tower of Fortune and the Dice of Fate. What is this game? <laughs> Dragon Quest. You, you, just, you just said you love Dragon Quest and you've got all those crazy subtitles, so don't give me that. Okay, so I didn't figure this would be a, a winner or the top three, but it was one of my favorite games, so I put it here. Um, sure, in the Wanderer is a roguelike. It's basically the roguelike, to be honest. And it, this came out on Vita this year, and it's I mean, in terms of what you're looking for in a roguelike game, it basically has everything in terms of difficult dungeons, um, like the systems and how it works in terms of like what you're risking the further you go and what you keep if you fall in a dungeon. And it has this cool partner system where you can you can call upon like a couple you can get like two partners of a, of a pool of like six or seven that join you and depending on which ones you pick, they have various you know, advantages and disadvantages. The game looks phenomenal. It's got this old sprite style that looks really cool. Um, and it's got a lot of bonus features. It's got a lot of uh, puzzles and, like, post-game, like, really tough dungeons. So I think it's, like, a really, really solid roguelike game. But then again, it's a very niche, like, um, roguelikes, you know, aren't the most popular RPG genre. And it's it's the kind of genre you either love it or you hate it, I feel like. Um but I, I just kind of wanted to bring it in here because I think it does what that genre very, very well. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's fair. What about Stranger like, Short City, though? I mean, I played that and I wouldn't put it on here because I can tell you like five of these that I would prefer over that. Yeah. Stranger of Sword City, um, I think I put that on here too. I think it's a really neat dungeon crawler yeah. in terms of it's the art style we mentioned earlier. It's I always have I always am fond of like these class based systems because you're basically your party is as you make it. And so like there's a lot of preparation, a lot of player agency and how you put together a team and you can approach things very, very differently. But there's one thing about this game or actually really two things about this game is that kind of knock it. One, I think the story, unfortunately, is disappointing in that it doesn't really go anywhere. It's not really a story focused game, but it's still disappointing. And second. Mm -hmm. And Andrea will back me up on this. The like the penalty for like dying in this game oh is my like, God. ridiculous, and it's so so terrible and stupid, and it basically brings down everything. What's the penalty again? Uh, so like if a character falls to zero HP in this game, you basically cannot revive them. What you have to do is you basically have to set them aside, either pay an exorbitant amount of money to to get them back, or you basically just have to like wait like a long time for them to come become available again. And in the type of game like this, which is pretty tough, and you're kind of... It's you're, really you're, hard. <laughs> you're very you're very particular in how you're putting your team together. If you lose one member of that team, it's like a huge like penalty in terms of like, how am I... I like, I don't have a suitable replacement. I need that guy. So mm. it's, it's terrible. And it's to the point where basically, if I was like fighting a boss and one of my characters died, rather than deal with the penalty, you just... It's easier and like sensible just to restart. So, right, wow. and lose progress. Oh. So. Yeah, so that that wow. kind of really bring, brings it down. I think like the game did so many things that I really really liked, but then things like that and the story just being generally disappointing. It just like uh, could have been a lot better than it is. So I just wanted to put it here because I did like the game. It's just mm-hmm. that was a huge flaw. So yeah, up. that that sounds like a terrible shame. But it's well, mm. so I think we cut that. Yeah. 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 Do it. Do it. Um. So what? 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 <laughs> so okay. who put Romancing Saga two on here? I did. Did you play it? Yes. 
I just and... did never did a review. Wow. Sorry. I got other things I had to do. <laughs> I'll do a review soon enough for that game. So do you think it? Do you think it deserves top three? Absolutely. It's such a quirky ass game. It's so weird. Um, so for people who don't know, um, yeah, this is actually was brought up in our last uh, last day of deliberations, Romantic Saga Two. Um, crazy surprise out of nowhere announcement that it was announced after 23 years. I think it's been. Um, it was getting localized because it was never released in the West in the first place, but it was brought over here for mobile devices. So the reason I put it here is for a number of different things. For one thing, it's the best port that Square Enix has done or HD remaster of an old sprite-based game that I can think of outside of maybe, I don't know, Record Keeper, but that's that's such an easy thing to say when it's not really an RPG to begin with, uh, or at least it's not based off of like an old Final Fantasy game, um, that they did a great job cleaning up the sprites and, and the environments and all that, that you kind of wish that Square Enix put as much effort into this, uh, into those, into in, into the other games they did, like Final Fantasy V and VI, that they did with Romantic Saga 2. Because they kept a lot of the same charm that the Spark work back then did. But the reason that I love this so much, for one thing, okay, let me talk about the bad things first, actually. Uh, it's an old game, so it's got the same type of, you know, endless grinding that the old rpgs used to have the balancing is kind of all over the place it's got monster closets that kind of stuff um but it's got a amazing story uh that the way the story is told is through generations because you're basically playing like a row of like emperors and empresses that uh the story is told over generations so if your character dies that's it they're gone you move on to the next generation time skips forward and so um and there's a limit to how many generations you can go through, but each generation is sequentially like more powerful. They got more hit points, uh, you know, b- better stats, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and if you get to the very end of that of the whole spread of, of generations, that's game over, and that's it. So it's got it's got this kind of like these these stakes that are interesting to be a part of. Um, so even if the gameplay itself is is very traditional, because uh, they didn't really do much on that stuff, and I will say the localization isn't the best because there's typos and whatnot that you have to put up with. Um, but even beyond that, I think the characters are great uh, for the amount of time I spend in that game, which might have been about 30, 40 hours. I don't have my phone next to me, so I, I don't remember how much time, but that doesn't matter. Um, it's packed full of so much great, high-quality content. And even the design of the game... It's kind of like a mobile game in a sense that you can pop through like different scenarios and quests and it doesn't take any time at all. You can get you can get the stuff done maybe like five, ten minutes. And that's been kind of the most time I've played with that game is like before work, after work, during lunch. Uh, I would play that game for a little bit and I would get through so much of the story to begin with. So there are some rough edges, but I think that there's so much great stuff in this game that it and, and, and so it's built for the small screen. And that's why I mentioned about the pacing in that, um, that you can get through a yeah, lot of stuff. Yeah, it's a bit more friendly to stopping and starting. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of hard for games that, uh, especially for a game that used to be for the Super Nintendo. It's not. It's it's weird that it was for the Super Nintendo when you're talking about like with the Final Fantasy games, like Final Fantasy VI. Like there could be like these long stretches that like. Am I, am I done yet? There's a lot of stuff I still have to do before my next save. Romantic Saga 2 seems like it was originally built to be played in small bursts, and I think that's what makes it a great small screen RPG, because uh, it's, it's built around that, but also because 
it's such a damn good game and i wish that they just probably did a little bit better job on the localization uh but i would still put it up um as one of the best small screen rpgs of this year maybe not best overall but uh i, I love my time with it well then, there's there's some hmm. tough competition though. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say, look yeah. at like there's like four right there that are like goodness. Yeah, mm. Mm. I I personally put it in is my any... top three, but it's because I haven't played enough Cold Steel two. <laughs> That's why. Is I anyone is is anyone gonna go for bad over Project X Zone two again or? I mean, I for love bad... it, excuse me. But I, <laughs> I, I whatever. I think they're better. <laughs> What did you say, Andrea? Sorry. I, I was just saying, I, I really loved that game, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I, I I can see three others there that I would go to bat for over it. Yeah, so, exactly. it, It's like, it, it, once again, it's it, it does a lot of the things right, but that's because the first game was so bad that like it just makes the how much better it is uh, <laughs> more apparent. But I don't know if it stacks <laughs> up to the other juggernauts in this uh, list. But it's, it's a fine game. For right. sure, like I, I, the, my biggest uh, compliment for it is that don't let the, the sins of the fucking first game like tarnish like your expectations going into this. Like go into it with, like a fresh mindset and give it a go. I think there's a lot to love about it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, we're yeah. gonna cut it. Cut it. I think. Yeah. I think it's. Mm-hmm. I think it's good, but I don't think it's top three good. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm. Right. I, I'm gonna cut. Uh, Sheer and the Wanderer. Um, I really, really liked it, but I do think just this category is sort of stacked. It just I, I don't think really it's want to play that. I love it looks the, so good. Yeah. The okay, so we're halfway down now, and we've got Pokemon, Fire Emblem, SMT4, Trials of Scott, Cold Steel 2, and Romancing Saga 2. Oh my gosh, I'm not going to... I mean, can like for fates, like can we like just cut out like like mm. everything but con- I mean, yeah? Can we talk about the conquest version? <laughs> yeah, I, I like conquest version. Conquest version is great. Birthright. I love it. Yeah, yeah fuck birthright. I mean, I fuck, think fuck I think Revelations. I think you know we could always give it to one of the games. Pokemon um, Sun over Moon, right? I don't know whatever. It's... Okay, so let me but... just I guess let me talk about Fire Emblem Fates and Fire Emblem Awakening in a sense. So I was. Not, I was actually pretty disappointed in Awakening, like comparing it to the older games. And there's two main reasons for that. One, the map design slash um, like uh, objective design was pretty standard and boring. It was a lot of big open field maps. There was a lot of just basically mowing down enemies as you paired up your units. That's the second thing is that I felt the pair up system in Awakening was really overpowered and kind of like not balanced very well in that it was just... There's, like, no thought to it. You just pair up, and then you just mow down everything. And I played the game on hard, and, like, the only thing that was hard in the game was some of the DLC stuff. It it was really, really disappointing. And the things about Conquest that, like... Conquest basically brought me back on board with this series. It, like, totally turned me around on it. First of all, the pair-up system is so much better. Um, I I may not remember the exact detail, but basically when you pair up, it doesn't boost your stats as much, but what it basically does is that it can block attacks uh, occasionally, um, depending on a little meter yeah, yeah. That's, on, that's there. And so um, it's a bit different. But I, And then, like, if you don't pair up and have your units just working independently, that gives you a little bit more flexibility in that, you first of all, you get more turns because you have more units to work with. Um, but it just... It, it basically allows you to get more turns and you, you're, you can have more attacks, but you don't, get the, you don't get the bonuses of pairing up that can actually, like nullify certain abilities 
Um, and it, there's a little bit just more thought and like when you're on the battlefield, do I pair up and do I not pair up? And also, in addition to awakening, enemies can pair up now, and that depending on what they did, you could ha you had to like counter them smart in a smart way. But the second thing is conquest specifically. The map design was so much better. Yeah, the mission design. Is... Um, objectives and maps. There, there some. There were some wide open maps, but was, there were some that were more like defensive. There were some that were more indoor, like following along a couple paths. Like infiltration you know, is in yeah, uh, like conquest. taking a couple different forks. Like you had to split up your parties and things like that. So those two things, in a nutshell, the pair up system tweaks and the map design, I think puts conquest way above awakening, and it's one of the strongest RPGs of the year. The biggest downside this Fire Emblem this year is that the story and most of the characters are pretty much guff. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, I, I, it's, I, I feel like conquest deserves special mention. Like I feel like that should be separated from Birthright and Revelations. Yeah, I agree. I still think I still think like Revelations and Birthright I'd almost put above Awakening because the pair up system is yeah like, because of the the balancing there. changes but yeah. it but like Birthright's maps were very similar to Awakening and then Revelation I don't know Revelation just kind of felt uh, needed <laughs> just yeah I hmm. agree with everything that was just said um, I think there's a big question about um, about yeah, if we, if 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 I think it's clear that Fire Emblem, in some form or another, is going to be top three. The question is, is if we are very specific that it is conquest, or if we just say, oh, it's fates in general. And I think uh, Adam makes a strong argument for it being just conquest. Like it sounded like Josh agrees, and I'm pretty yeah, sure a thousand percent. He's not here. He's not here to defend it, but I'm pretty sure Darren was in the same boat where like Conquest he was really fond of, and the other ones were just okay. Yeah, so. and don't don't forget in reviews, I think I gave Conquest a full two points more. Yeah, you gave yeah, Conquest nine versus nine. seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because obviously, yeah, I I agreed with that. Um, so this seems that seems fairly cut and cut and dry. The question is. I'm not. I feel like I feel I feel like I feel I feel like there's not a world in which in which, given how good it is and how different it is, that Pokemon's not on this list. Yeah, I don't. I think it's. I think it belongs here too. Personally, even if I haven't played it, I know how great it sounds. Like it's a, it's an amazing game. It's, it's it seems good. like it. It seems like it's like a, just a natural evolution. Finally, of that series having a big quality of life changes. Finally, you know, uh, breaking down like the the standard structure of the, the, being the uh, poor island trials instead of going to gym to gym to gym, and just uh, the, finally the amount of like work is being done on the improving the three D, uh, the transition to the three D battles uh, for that series. I, I think it definitely earns its spot because it's kind of like a reinvention of that uh, long running franchise. Okay, so I guess let me talk about Shimagami Tensei now. So Shimagami Tensei is kind of—I think Darren was saying something similar in the last. It was his dying will. Uh, oh, it, it's 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 probably <laughs> like my personal game of the year, like over uh, not just small screen but over everything. So I I like it more than Con Fire Emblem Con Fates Conquest. So like, how do I put this? Um, I don't think it's a perfect game. But it does so many things to improve upon Shimagami Tensei 4 that I was already a pretty big fan of. And it basically is like, I think, a perfect example of taking what works and refining it to make it better, but making it different enough that it doesn't feel too iterative. 
I mean, it's, it's a sequel, so it's going to feel a little bit iterative no matter what. But like um, some of the things that changed, for example, from Shin Megami Tensei 4 for the better, um, the world map is a lot, it works a lot better. First of all, it's it's labeled now, so it's a little bit easier to see your You know where the now. fuck to go now. <laughs> but not only that, but there's like toggles for things like, like where's the main quest right now? Where are my side quests? And things like that. So it's a little bit easier to know like what you were working on and like where you can go to either progress a story or do a side quest. Um, the one big thing is in Shin Megami Tensei 4, enemies would chase you relentlessly. Like even if you were like 100 levels higher than them and you're in the first area, first zone of the game, so enemies are enemy icons on the map and they would they would chase you basically forever and ever and ever and it was really annoying because like it'd be like a level two demon like go away i'm gonna kick your butt anyways like it was really annoying in this game they don't chase you so relentlessly and not only that but they actually added some in-game things you can do where basically they just ignore you completely um so that's like a quality of life thing um there is the estoma skill is back which in the first, in the in the in Chimagami Tensei Four it was like a, a Stoma sword, which what that meant was you had a chance of avoiding an encounter, but it was only a chance if you performed it properly. Where this game it's back to the original, which is in basically all the other SMT games. It makes it easier to move around. Um, the partner system is way way better um, in terms of what they what how they contribute to the team. They're smarter. Um, in the original Chimagami Tensei Four, sometimes they would work at, like against you if they like attack an enemy's. Uh, like resistance in an, in, in an SMT game that could be certain doom if they do that. Um, and there's, they basically level up with you and you can choose between a set of like six or seven partners. Um, when the first game, you really didn't have any choice. Um, things like that. Um, the only thing that was a change that I don't know if it was maybe for the worse is the first Simigami Tensei 4 was a little bit more open in terms of like exploration. Like where do I go? I can go either, north and see what's up this way or i can go south and see what's down that way or this game is a little bit more streamlined and like the game guiding you you go here first and then you go here second and things like that so like one of like uh, as i think about it now as it's sort of like right by each other like fire emblem fates uh conquest and uh smt4 kind of work on like uh, they're writing parallel lines because they improved so much on their previous iterations right uh like but except smt4 apocalypse has the added benefit of having like a stronger story and better writing yeah. but uh but, but fates has the has the advantage in actually having more varied environments and, and mission design while apocalypse recycles almost 100 percent of the assets from smt4 so all the like whenever i was lost in like uh, a certain dungeon in apocalypse like i just remember that I, I just somehow remember the uh, the uh, SMT4 is like, oh yeah, that's how, how this map was laid out. It's like it's, it's still exactly there. There's still there's a few new environments here and there, but a lot of it's designed. They're, they're, they're also back heavy. Like the last two dungeons are new, and then most yeah, of, I think there's one or two dungeons before then that were new, but there's a lot of basically the same ones. And so. then yeah, and, and like uh, just expanding more of what you were saying earlier, like uh, I know a lot of uh, people had a big issue in SMT4 with a smirk mechanic being so lopsided oh, right. as you're like as you were saying uh earlier like the partners uh that would work against you like say for example an early game example in smt4 was there's this boss that uh re like was resistant or weak to uh or no it was strong to fire 
So right. like, but your your partner character was like uh, specialized in fire skills, so he cast his fire spell and like strengthening that strengthen that enemy. And then since you just lost your turn because you're a partner character, you're the the boss is smirk, so it would just one shot your party and you had no control over it. While in Apocalypse, it's it's much more rebalanced. So like, uh, your party members can 100% completely like avoid uh, casting abilities and spells. Do like that they're, stuff they're, they're... They're even, smart, actually, they're even smart enough. You, you might have been just saying this. I apologize. Like, like yeah. if they can't do anything like useful, they'll actually just say like, I can't do anything right now. Like they'll actually. Or they'll actually, they'll actually use your, your items. Like if you have or, a, or like, items, stones, yeah. like a, like say, like you have a, a an element stone in your inventory, uh, that uh, that they're weak to. They'll just use that instead of like their skills and whatnot. And just uh, and just, uh, and just we, we touched upon it like on the last podcast. Uh, that just like the writing in this game is just so surprising in the way that like you form bonds and friendships with like your core group of characters. It's very like it's taking this next step in the Mega Ten series that uh, of just like having a more complete story that's like not so black and white, and it it, it reflects upon that in itself too. It's it's very important to note that in Apocalypse, like the the writers were very self aware. That's like you know. Kind of like almost mocking the series uh, before uh, the songs before. It's like the world isn't so black and white, you know. There, there, yeah. there are shades of gray uh, going on here. It doesn't have to be only law, only chaos. There, there's definitely more to it than than that because there, there are certain aspects of both alignments, even the neutral alignment, that like that there's there's good elements from them, but we don't have to, you know, have to go one way or the other completely. And there, there's a very powerful moments in that story that i was very surprised of yeah i think some of the story stuff i mentioned earlier is a little bit uh, disappointing in terms of how like it almost felt like a deus ex machina to me like oh yeah, almost that, yeah but there were a couple of moments that were like legitimately surprising and uh like totally caught me off guard in terms of like holy crap did that just happen type of thing and it's also just like the little neat, neat mechanics to have in the negotiation system as well and you know like uh, yeah. the, the, just like there's a lot more dynamic in the negotiation system like say you'll, you'll hit up like this uh, female demon and it's like oh can I have your number oh never mind I'm gonna go run, run off and then when you try to speak to like that same demon again in another battle it's like oh you were the one for me for I don't need your number because I'm just gonna join your party now you know and it's just like little neat quirks like that uh, that it's like oh like there's I try to give like like even the, just the general enemies the normal enemies in this game more personality like so it feels like that you, they're your personalized it's like you formed a, like a bond with them like oh I remember the, how you got this character oh yeah that's you can you have like little mini stories of that it's it's very cool okay so it sounds like it's going to be on this list then yeah I, I mean definitely uh, sounds that way to me I mean it, it's kind of difficult because I'm the only one who played Romantic Saga two for mobile I will mention that the game is so different. And so weird that it actually makes it feel as fresh as ever because it's totally different from a lot of games that are out lately. Saga RPGs. game, yeah. Um, but also, it's more challenging than your typical Final Fantasy game, and I think that's what makes it fun. And being able to go through these generations and select new party members means once again that there's like these stakes and this and this fun, uh, fun element to it that it makes like each battle seem way more meaningful than they would in many other games. It makes you be more careful about where you go. And this, like I said, the story's great. Character's awesome. I'm, I, it's not. It's clearly not going to make it to top three, but I will say that uh, this is the best type of like, port job that Square Enix has done with their sprite-based games, I think, ever. Let me just jump onto that real quick. Wow, okay. This is maybe slightly off-topic, but I've been actually playing through some of the old Saga games recently um, just to kind of become familiar with them. The main way in which they're different, and I'm assuming Romancing Saga at least shares some elements, is that instead of like 
focusing on level ups and things like that. It's more on stats. Yeah, and, it, and it's, swords, it's more yeah. it's more reflective on like in in a general sense. The more you use the more you use physical attacks, the stronger your physical attacks become, and you get more physical skills. Yes. The more you use magic attacks, the stronger your magic attacks come, and the the your magic you can get more magic skills, and like. So that's for some people that seems really really weird for a, uh, for an RPG even like an old one like Romancing Saga, but I'm just kind of I'm kind of glad that this that this localization came out because I'll play it eventually and um, like you kind of mentioned it is a bit different than like a Final Fantasy uh, in the way that it works and it is kind of weird. Um, so and that's I'm, what makes it so awesome and I think that more people it didn't get much attention but I think it's important to point out that yes us in the West we didn't get to play any of the Romancing Saga games that came out. Um, on the Super Nintendo, we only got like the Game Boy games, and so it's awesome to see that Square Enix is willing to do this, and um, the fact that they're talking about releasing it for the Vita, that's still in development. So maybe when that version comes out, we'll talk more about it at that point. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with losing it because obviously the arguments are more passionate for these other games. Um, I mean, I'm by myself, and I have to kind of rely on my own arguments for it. But I personally also feel like you know as amazing as it is and as fun as it was uh i would put some three of these games above this one and when and when we're when we're talking about this stacked category i think the fact that it is a port even if it's like the first time it's localized does work against it like it is an old game that you just kind of get a first yeah, chance it's to play the first time we played yeah. it though but yeah i understand of course but but you can you can say obviously that that still goes against it in a way Especially um, when when you're when you're at this level of competition of games, it's like, it is the so best fresh. is the best small is the best small screen <laughs> RPG of 2016 really a 23 year old localization? I would say yes, but that's not. I know I'm not going to win that argument <laughs> because but... because because my opinion on that is if it is, it's it it, it speaks pretty poorly for the year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say. I don't know. I mean, it's worse on the writing of the game. Even if it's old, it's it's that it it still feel, feels amazing all this time later. It's our first time playing it, but once again, I'm not going to harp on that anymore. So, we'll cut that. What about? Uh... Okay. Don't make it smaller. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> I think we should cut Cold Steel too. Actually. Oh Probably. no, definitely mm. not. I'm sure. I'm sure it's excellent, but it's <laughs> very what's obvious. The, what, what, what's the thinking? Like just just explain to me. Like I'm not against it. I'm just curious what the. It's, well, it's I mean, I figured it would have been on the the big screen list actually more than anything. I think it's I think it stands a better chance on the big screen list to be honest. And it's a PS3 yeah, game. Yeah, it, it could it could be both. Like it, it could be both categories to be honest. Like if my, you guys want to move it, it's <laughs> yeah. If you guys want to move it there, that's fine. Like it's it, like. But it's, not, it's got a better chance of winning here than it does in big screen. <laughs> no, I totally. Like, you're going to say that. Aaron's going to say that and suddenly bury it immediately. So I don't know if it's... <laughs> like, it's, it's an easy way for, like, just chop it off the block at, uh, quickly. Because, like, oh, it's not going to win against Final Fantasy and, De- and like, Tokyo and Dragon Quest. I mean, it's... maybe it will. Maybe it will. I I got to say, the small screen is looking way more competitive than the big screen to me. Yeah, so I, I mean, didn't say that, Zach. Yeah, because look at what we have right at the top. That's basically that could be the top three right there. It's a, like I said, like Trails of Cold Steel Two is such a weird thing to talk about because it relies like semi heavily on past installments, I, and uh, uh, part of part of those uh, part of those installments haven't been localized. Well, okay, I mean, let me. It's hard, it's, hard to, here... it's hard to really. Let, let me build the argument. I'm sorry, I, Aaron. You want to say? I didn't want to cut you off, Aaron. I just want to ask, like, has anyone actually played the the handheld version? Yes, that's I, exclusively I, I played only that. 
Oh, wait, the other handheld version of Cold Steel 2? Of Cold yeah. Steel and... Uh, well, because... Okay, so let you, me just... You, 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 you played the handhelds. I've only played the, the big screen one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me be clear. It's that um, uh, we did mention this before in that we did not have Trails of Cold Steel 1 included in last year's because I was still working on it. And it was released so close to. It came out on December twenty second. So yeah, it was, um, in our, <laughs> very like here. It was yeah. like on the. It was like I was in the middle of I viewing think in it. This, I think in this instance, though, we can consider you know any victory, be that nomination or win, for one of those games, almost for both, because they're very. So basically, like even Josh said, they were originally meant to be like the same game, and you know, it's just, yeah. yeah. I guess if you were talking about like technicalities, but uh, it's the same as like you guys saying only conquests. It's it's, it's it feels so weird because like Fireman Fates is meant to be like this all encompassing. Anyway, I just want to mention that I played the Vita version exclusively with I reviewed Cold Steel One. Darren, who isn't with us uh, at this point, um, reviewed Cold Steel Two. I'm only about ten hours into Cold Steel Two. What I played of Cold Steel One, as someone who didn't play. Um, the you know obviously I can't play those non-localized games, but also I only played I reviewed Trails of, Trails in the Sky one, and I didn't play two. Uh, I not even a bit. Um, I had such an amazing experience with the first one because Trails of Cold Steel one is the longest I've ever played an RPG, a single player an RPG for a story. I played put ninety hours into that story before I completed it, and it was like what I mentioned with our our last uh day of recording with the writing and that I spent so much time going out of my way to talk to the different people in the town and in the school because I wanted to know what their what like the latest updates in their story because I had such a great time being absorbed into that world and I felt like the music was amazing uh the gameplay was really fun um the only problem I had with it is the way the story really dips like extremely dips in the middle of chapter 13 and Josh knows what I'm talking about the, the open mm-hmm. fields I cannot I cannot uh but the way that the game leaves off on a cliffhanger is so amazing and I and I felt like like I really wanted to see what was going to happen next and that's not something I, I get so into and it's the reverse of FF15 chapter 13 <laughs> exactly exactly right uh it's like it's like a bell curve <laughs> that happens um I can't speak of 15, of course, because I haven't played it, but I'll take your word for it. But uh, And Cold Steel 2 picks up right where Cold Steel 1 leaves off. And uh, from what I played, it, it's it's amazing. And I I, I I was getting into it. I, I just did not have the time to play it enough to before um, our podcast recording today. Uh, I was trying to also split my time with Spirit of Justice as well, which didn't win anything. So maybe that was a bad idea. Um, but I think that... Um, I think Trails of Cold Steel 2, maybe it is something that can really belong in big, best big screen, but I feel like if it doesn't win here, I don't know if it's going to win in big screen. I, I'll say this. Even if it's in the top three, I don't think it wins here. No, no it doesn't. It's not going to win, but um, I don't think I'm going to win this like, argument because even Josh is kind of not uh, – he's, he's the only other guy I think here has played it. Um, you played it. You Darren played, played it. Darren played it, but he all, That's all, Darren, I mean. basically, all Darren basically said was he'd put S&T 4 – above it yeah, I, would, I would too like if i had to pick one it'd be smt4 I, just, I haven't played any of the other games on this list so it's 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 tough for me to argue it so if i'm i'm not, I'm not going to die on this hill so if we have to cut cut it we'll cut it right don't now, get me wrong I, I have a game. feeling i have a feeling this game has a chance to win the reader's choice because it's really popular among our twitter followers well we'll we'll see about that i haven't i haven't i haven't looked yeah 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 Pokemon yeah. Wins. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. 
it's 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 it's, it's those top three and the winner. My winner is Pokemon. Me too. Mm. I agree. Mm. As someone who hasn't played I, any I of those disagree. games, it just seems like it's disagree. such a great experience. Anyway. Yeah. I could go for Pokemon. I'd put SMT4 above Pokemon and Fire. I feel, I feel, like, the, I feel like the overwhelming majority is going to be Pokemon. So I, I, uh, I would go with SMT4. I like Fire Emblem more, but I, I'll go. I haven't, I haven't played any of these, but I'm going to vote Pokemon just so we can move on. <laughs> I <laughs> have to specify a specific Fire Emblem version I, out of the trio. Kind of makes me not want to vote. Uh, yeah, yeah that's, that's I don't think I, I don't I don't think Fire Emblem wins. And if I'm honest, I could take either Pokemon or SMT. I wouldn't feel bad about either I, one of those. I think I think SMT takes this over Pokemon. I do. Let's, too. let's put it to a vote because it seems like we're. Kind I think of I think I think Pokemon well, is still. Played it though. <laughs> I think yeah, I think Pokemon. I think Pokemon is is excellent, but it is still it's still some Pokemon ass Pokemon. I, uh, I played Pokemon <laughs> Sun and Moon. But Lily, <laughs> she's so cool. I, I played so this just to, I know some people may not say this is a fair like I didn't give it a fair shake, but I played the first island of Pokemon Sun and Moon, um, which is I guess you know the first twenty percent or less of it or whatever. And even with all the changes to it, I kind of felt like this is more of the same in a sense, even with the changes. But like, I would say, I did, like, if you're going to say like that, is that you apparently enjoyed SMT4, you like that type of game, and so Apocalypse seems like it's more the same, but you just enjoyed that because of the series, right? But it, it felt like it so many. I felt, I felt, I felt like the improvements for SMT4 Apocalypse were like noticeable and very particular and very like obvious right away. Or like Pokemon just kind of felt like okay, it's a, you know. Are, it's are you a Pokemon fan it, though? I just want to be sure. So if not really, so that's okay. the thing. Yeah, I, I, just, I, I kind of felt like like I'm the not... way that Pokemon shook things shook things up. Like I can kind of tell that, but like like I like the changes to SMT. I felt like were more obvious. Like okay, this is clearly for the better, no matter what. And well, like I I was a big fan of SMT four even with those issues. So the fact that they kind of ironed those out is just like you know elevated my adoration for it even more i, I just um, want to speak for the record so, though is that did you play the other the last pokemon games like x and y i did yeah. not okay because it's like that's, that's an evolution the thing. thing see but that's the thing that makes the that's the thing that makes it is an evolution thing but also at the same time as somebody who who played those previous pokemon games but then just sort of fell out of pokemon because i was just bored and it was the same it, this definitely brought me back but it also isn't mm-hmm. that different when push sure. comes to show but it's got the Pokemon Snap thing, right? I don't, I don't know. I'm just coming up with things because I don't know. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously I'm fine either way because I, like I said, I haven't played those games and I've only seen footage. Um... I, I think SMT. I said Pokemon earlier, but the more I think about it, the more I'm catching myself and going, yeah, actually. I'd vote for Pokemon, but I don't really care either way. I would yeah, Pokemon <laughs> They're too. They're both good. It's not gonna. Fire Emblem okay. gets third, though, it sounds like. Fire Emblem gets third. I think Fire Emblem is brought down because it's like, if we have to particularly pick which one is better, <laughs> it's, it kind of nullifies it a little bit. So. Yeah, Fire Emblem is definitely brought down by the fact that one of them kind of sucks. <laughs> that might be strong, but yeah, it's, it's just not as good, yeah. Um, okay, so are we going with Pokemon or are we going with SMT? I say we do a vote. Sure. Yeah, right. let's just vote for it real quick. Okay, I pick SMT, and I know uh, Darren <gasps> oh, also I didn't picked... expect that. <laughs> Just kidding. We got to yeah. count Darren. Darren would pick SMT. Do we have to? No. He was yeah, a nice person. Now we're not going to include someone who wasn't here. 
Come on. He basically Come on. said he... before he left, like, this is his game of the year. This is yeah, a also, this is a, this is a one-on-one, so he will count it. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Okay, who's spoken? Me me, and Darren, basically. Uh, Josh. Uh, SMT for me. Andrea. Pokemon. Zach. Pokemon. Aaron. SMT is going to win, so, yeah. <laughs> At this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, yeah, it's pretty clear. Yeah, Brian, any descent? Uh, d- Pokemon. <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> oh hell, no! I'm gonna go SMT just so we can like. <laughs> oh, <laughs> come on. Right. There's think, eight people think, here, so it's gonna be tougher <laughs> to bring. I think, I think that's a. I think that's a good. I think that's a I good think list. That's fair. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. I think that's it, good. it was a, a phenomenal year for small, small screen RPGs. Very, yeah, very strong year. Fights, um, Pokemon Sun and Moon as runners up. Pokemon Destiny very close. <laughs> and then SMT for Apocalypse as our favorite of the year. Okay. Now it's so we got best small screen, now we move into best big screen. It's crazy because we still got technically two categories to go, but now we got best. Yeah, but big the last screen. one the last one always passes quite quickly oh, because so quickly. all mm-hmm. the debates all the debates from before just feed into it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, best big so, screen RPG of twenty sixteen. So, Feel free to go through. But, the best big screen, which of course includes all your console games, your PC games, etc., etc., we have Dark Souls 3, World of Final Fantasy, Deus Ex Mankind Divided, Tokyo Mirage, Sessions Sharp FE, Fire Emblem, Final Fantasy 15, The Witcher 3, Blood and Wine, to- uh, Tokyo Mirage is on again, uh, Dranquist Builders, <laughs> Odin Sphere, once again, I Am Setsuna. Uh, Super, Ro- Super Robot Wars OG Moon Dwellers and Trails of Cold Steel 2. I also want to note that there were two games we disqualified beforehand um, for two different reasons. The first is Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen, which relaunched on on PC, uh, you know, like January? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was January. January. very early. <laughs> and yeah. it is the definitive version of one of the best Japanese RPGs in of the last ten if we years. Had a, if they had a best old game category, it'd be top three. It, it would. It would. Saga two would win. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, no, like, no, anyway, so so we disqualified that, even though it's excellent. Yeah. Go and check that out on Steam. I'm sure it'll be cheap in the holiday sale by the time you hear this. Mm-hmm. And we also disqualified Persona Five because even though we have several people on staff who have played the Japanese version. We will wait. It's out in the middle of the year next year, so it will be fully considered as part of next year's rewards awards. So, from that list, let's kill uh, I Am Satsuna. It's dead. I was going to mention I Am Satsuna just because, as, as much as I love it, it lost every other category, so it's, it wasn't going to win. <laughs> also, <laughs> expected to. also days. it's awesome. Play it, but yeah. Dragon Quest yeah. Builders, amazing game, but it's not the best RPG of the year. No. I'd put it in the top three for me. But, yeah. Oh, really? I think yeah. we should. I think we should hold on to. Oh, okay. To Dragon Quest for I, a little bit yeah, longer. Yeah, I would say maybe hold off on Builders. You could probably take out Super Robot Wars because I've only one person has played it. Now it's me, and it's the Asian territory English thing again. And while <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a while it's a solid strategy RPG, uh, just it's more of the same. That, that seems uh, more likely to be localized, as you talked about before, because it's got a mostly original Gundam. Yeah, mecha, uh, mecha, I mean. Yeah, it, but I don't know if they're gonna localize yeah, it ever. Still launch out, still but very... who knows? It was crazy enough that it even got an English version. Yeah, so. exactly. We'll see. Uh, Given I would... what 
sorry. Uh, I will say about that game that it's still it's still one of the most consistent uh, series that has like spectacular sprite work. Just the way the, the mm, movements, the, the choreography, scenes. the text. Yeah, yeah they're, they're over the top and just fluid uh, across the board. It's amazing. Amazing stuff. Just don't play licensed music while you're playing the game and then we'll be okay. Uh, <laughs> what about Deus Ex? I don't mm-hmm. think that stays on this. Thing. I don't think so. I, 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 I played a bit of it and I think the stealth is like okay, but I, I, I really think the story is trash. I, I think, think the I best think... thing about Deus Ex yeah. is the world is like the level design. Like they, mm-hmm. it's pretty, it's yeah, pretty it's clear that it's pretty clear they went out of their way to like when they say you can approach this in like three or four or five or six different ways, they mean it. Like yeah. I was, like I was even like when I was exploring old areas, like holy cow, I never even noticed you could do this. Like mm-hmm. go up here and jump this way and do this. Mm-hmm. I think the level design is really good, yeah. but like everything else is like average at best. So yeah, I I do think the level yeah. design is great though. <laughs> Yeah. To be honest, I I felt like it was really beating me over the head with the simplicity of it. it's like, it's it's like narrative where it's like oh this is what we're actually talking about and I was just like oh god this is really bad, um I, yeah and I I also don't think that an open world really suited that game very well. <laughs> well, I mean it was I I think the structure of the game is fine. My issues with the game are that you sort of get to what you think is is the end of act two and then it's like new game plus has been unlocked and you're like what the fuck <laughs> exactly like i thought i didn't even know it was like, uh, like oh wait that's it no um, I, I, exact same feeling like wait this is the final boss <laughs> like oh wow i didn't like okay. it, that, that and, felt and, like a mid-game boss right like, exactly like, I, to be honest agree. i heard that going in that it ended abruptly but i felt that it was kind of an appropriate ending for a middle of a trilogy like i didn't feel as strongly as other people did about how it ended it's less Empire Strikes Back, or, though, and more like Matrix Reloaded. That works on levels. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, the multiple Agent Smiths. Like, it's just... Like, it just... You, 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 you defeat the boss, and then it just dumps you back to Adam's apartment, and you have a really awkward conversation that feels like they realize really late in development. Ooh, nothing about this makes any sense. Better put a conversation in. <laughs> that that ending was weird, where it like zooms in on the TV, just super. Yeah, and slow. that felt like an attempt to do something artistic, except it just ended up seeming pretentious. Yep, mm-hmm. I, I I'd say that. <laughs> Cut it. I, yeah, I'll go ahead and uh, agree to cutting it. But I do want to make one. But the video games to the side quests in that are pretty well written and iconic. Kind of took me by surprise in a good way. This, the side quests are well, uh, are well written. The characters are well written. The 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 world has some wonderful environmental storytelling. You know, like it's there's there's a lot to love about that game. I think the combat's great. Yeah, it is. But but yeah, like the other parts of it, like, jeez, what happened, guys? <laughs> so yeah, cut it. Okay. Right. Very about... good. I'm very, like, like if we're talking, you know, we don't have this category anymore. More, but once upon a time, we had the biggest disappointment category. That oh, is that was such a was that Final that Fantasy absolutely... 1.0 was one of those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that is absolutely, and that basically morphed into what we now have as biggest surprise. It's just the surprise can be positive <laughs> or negative. Yeah, but. Um, Near Tamo, but... <laughs> biggest disappointment. No, wait, that doesn't work. Stop. No, was that? Um, I'm kidding. We'll but yeah, they, they 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 fucked it with that game big time. 
Um, and very disappointed. Um, mm. Yeah, so I thought it was a fine game. You know, I gave it a decent score, but considering what Human Revolution was, this is, it's not, you know, it's it doesn't truck. Wait for the director's cut. I, I, I literally Steve refunded it yesterday. <laughs> well, wow. Did you really? Yeah, I did. I actually did. Okay, well, so what other what other games we got? Let's okay, go what do we what do, real quick. We got What do we think about Oh, sorry. go ahead. No, no, no. It's too early for that. Go ahead. Uh, I was like, what do we think about Odin Sphere Left Fraser? Okay, like, I, I, I understand I, from all accounts, it's basically like so much better than the PS2 version. It's not even funny. It's like so a it's, brand new game because there's right. two. There, there's a new remade uh, version of that game, and there's also the old get the whole old game of it with upgraded, uh, like all the updated assets, which is actually one of its biggest strengths. So even if you even if you disagree or don't like the new, what they added to like the new game, you can always go back to the old version and still get the benefits off of that. And I think that works to the, the, a strength for the game because that's like you don't have to make any compromises if you don't like the new game structure. But even uh, taking that out, you know, uh, Odyssey Life of Series, like, I, I honestly, like one of my strongest contenders for game of the year because they've, uh, they've reworked so much of that game uh, like all the characters have uh, a full-blown skill tree now that they did not have at the original game. They're all new animations, all new spells. The way they you can customize them in in the sense, like say you have Mercedes, like a flying fairy, you can make her into like a bullet hell character, uh, spewing out bullet, uh, you know, a, a lot of projectiles. Or you have like uh, like fairy protectors that uh, uh, help you in battle. Or you can have uh, Oswald, like this demon knight, and there are ways to spec him into like giving uh, just being a speedy, you know. Uh, fighter with his main weapon, or you can uh, have a stronger, uh, longer duration time as a uh, demon. Thing. So all the all the five characters in the game, you can spec them now into like any playstyle that you want. And also, just the fluidity of uh, combat now, and like uh, getting rid of the nasty frame rate issues. And it's not only for the PS4 version. This is a solid 60 on PS3 and Vita as well. And that's a testament to like just how amazing this uh, this game has been like reworked and. Uh, updated for 2016 you know and also just it doesn't make any compromises on like the the unique story that that it tells because the way that the structure of the uh story works is that every time you go to a new character you put you don't get to choose the characters as you go along it tells a tale you start with gwendolyn and then you go to um the what was the rabbit uh rabbit's oswald. name i forget oh not oswald but oh, anyway yeah. um so you you see them from their different sides of perspective. You see, you have this overall arcing story, and it, like the the while the weakness of the the game is that the, there are repetitive environments because you you see like kind of like the same events unfolding overall, but from their perspective, and each of these characters start off at a fairly low spot in their lives, and they uh, they develop so well throughout the story that to become the the brave heroes and heroines uh, they have to uh, stop the you know oncoming Armageddon. Uh, from this world and whatnot and just them redoing the voice work for that game and just everything coming out crystal clear and just uh, adding all these different visual effects sound effects and just just re restoring that game to the full vision and potential of what we got years ago i think this definitely deserves to stay because not only just for the in its enhancements and all the technical work on the side but the the fact that it performs so well on every platform that it's on, along with having the original game on there for just as an option for people who don't want that, all those. 
that's my, my argument for my, it. my read on it like i haven't played it so i've been really really interested in it i just haven't had time but my read on it is like it is literally one of the best 2d like side-scrolling rpgs you can play like ever like yes. that's my read on it is that it's yeah. really really good i i heavily, heavily <laughs> so. believe that and, and it's like you know i have many people who tell me it's like wow that's like it's it's probably one of the biggest like surprise hits for people to see who actually got to play it you know who gave it a chance because it's just like it's unbelievable what they did to this game unbelievable huh that's a very strong argument mm-hmm. <sighs> mm-hmm. You, here's a question josh made a really good argument so is anyone going to make that sort of argument for world of final fantasy no. If I played it, I would, I'm sure. I really like I really like that game a lot. Um, and I love that it's a traditional Final Fantasy game. But it also isn't very ambitious. It looks kind of cheap due to the due to it being a Vita project as well. I don't know if Aaron would agree with that. No, I agree. I I don't think it's But it's got Xenogears. <laughs> no, I was kidding. That's that's fine. Not gonna help it. But... It does. <laughs> yeah. It does that's have awesome. that. But I mean it's it's really like a nostalgia bait title yeah. at the end of the day. It, it seems like it's a solid enough, like, you know, Game. fan service title in the old fashioned, old term of fan service. Yeah, I mean, it is. Like, I did enjoy it's like, it. And it's like, and... It, it's, it's, it's not just like relying on like fan service alone. Just it like, it actually seems like a competent, well put together game. But it's also meant to, of course, like I mentioned before, introduce new people to the Final Fantasy series. Um, and that's what it kind of was meant to be. But I, it sounds like it made, it did that too much, and it, it just doesn't do enough to make it exciting well, enough. I mean, it's still, like like we said, it's still a pretty good game. Oh, sure. Uh, actually, one of my favorite parts is the localization. They kind of really... They poke fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they poke fun at, at all sorts of things, including themselves. Uh, I, I, there's I even, saw... Yeah, there's there. even an HD town joke. Like right in there. Yeah, there is a, there is like a, there is like a, <laughs> towns are hard to build joke. Yeah. They, did, did, <laughs> I think there's a joke with uh with uh Titus's laugh. Yeah, there is. That's what yep. I was about to yeah, say. Yeah, there's there a joke is. about that. There's a joke about people who uh, like Ifrit because they're lazy and they only play like the first part of Final Fantasy games. <laughs> <laughs> That's and also they're still adding content with Sora coming in January. So but, in Japan at least. So. It, it seems like a very a good game, but not a like top three. It's not a top three. I do appreciate the stacking mechanics in it because of how goofy it looks. So, yeah. so here's an interesting question. So, well, what, what should we run through what's left? Because we've I'll just say it real yeah. quick. We got Dark Souls three, Tokimura Sessions Sharp FE, Final Fantasy fifteen, Witcher three, Blood and Wine, Dragon Quest Builders, Odin's Fear, Life Thrice Here, and Trails of Cold Steel two. Uh, I don't know. Hmm. Do we, I, don't do we... we... I don't know if FF15 makes this list. I honestly don't I, know. I uh, have to say that probably not, based, probably on, not. based yeah. on all the things we've already so. discussed about it. That Maybe know. it's like the fully realized version it's, of FF15. It, so, <laughs> it sounds like a, I still haven't played it. I'm, go, I'm <laughs> going to. I'm going to soon, but it sounds like a game that has pretty high highs, but there are some really low lows. Is that I accurate? Feel, yeah. I feel like Ain't Final Fantasy no 15. I no, no. I put so I put a ton of hours in Final Fantasy 15 doing like exploration and like just optional stuff, and it, like it kind of does the things that I like in Final Fantasy 12, just in terms of like giving me freedom to kind of explore and do what I want. 
But I kind of feel like Final Fantasy XII did all those things better than Final Fantasy XV does, especially when it comes to things like quest design. Like Final Fantasy XV yeah. quest design is like really fetchy quest, searching really the circle stuff. <laughs> if so, we're going um, to be putting even in even like Final Fantasy XII's dungeons, I thought were slightly better, a little bit more creative. I mean, I think I don't think Final Fantasy XV's dungeons are like bad. I just think they're just not outstanding. And, uh, and then, of course, we've already talked about just the story stuff being really, really weird and whatever. Yeah, were, were we going to bring up Final Fantasy Thirteen at this point? We talked about it. I, okay, well, so it's a, uh, the thing. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. the thing you know, about, I prefer Final Fantasy Fifteen to Thirteen because it gives me a choice. Like, what do I want to do right now? Do I want to explore? Yes. Do I want to do quests? Do I want to do that? Like, Thirteen might have been more polished and may have had a better like scope of this is what this game is. But I kind of, I, I was, I felt so shackled, like I have to like go on the rails and do what the game wants me to you do. You had level caps, remember, um, for each of uh, yeah. Oh yeah. So I feel and, like even 15, though you can actually be like extremely over leveled. <laughs> you could get like level, you could get the max level in the first chapter if you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, but... I think I just appreciate the level of freedom that it off that it does offer early on, even if it's kind of a weird like structural thing that this game does, I think but... I think yeah, it's a really and... ambitious and impressive game in its own way and it's weird because so much of it is is shit hear me out here a second but the stuff that the stuff in it that's good is really really mm-hmm. good yeah, and so that's sort though. of that's sort of why like 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 the highs of Final Fantasy 15 are are far higher than the highs of Tokyo Mirage Sessions or even Dragon Quest Builders. Mm-hmm. I could see that. I could see I that. Would, uh, I would argue though that the lows are a lot lower. Yeah, dude, we're talking about like a let's not let's be honest here. It's a it, we're talking about an incompleted game. Yeah, I mean or... the story the story disaster alone. Yeah. Oh, there's so much of those characters that I don't know what the fuck is going on. Like, I seriously oh, don't know still, like, two-thirds of those characters. When I played the game, I had several issues. Uh, there was an issue uh, where I could not progress the story because the boss broke on me, and oh. I've never been so frustrated at a game in my life. I've had some weird, I've had some weird errors where, like, it just gets stuck in random spots. Like, yeah, I think oh, once yeah, I was I... fishing, and he, like, caught a fish, and then he was, like, literally sitting there holding his fish for forever. That's what mine did. Okay, it mine did none for I would cut Tokyo Mirage Sessions before I'd cut 15. I, I, would, I, would, I would argue for Tokyo Mirage Sessions, but I haven't played I'd 15, probably... but I would argue for it over most of the games on this list. I'd Tokyo probably... Mirage... See, I think Tokyo Mirage Sessions, we, we, we talked about it a lot earlier in other, in the music category and things like that, but... It, okay, it, I, I did in the art category, but the thing about Tokyo Mirage Sessions is I think the actual game part has so much bloat. Does there's one thing I want to bring up that I didn't bring up before, and it like really, really puts a, hamp- a damper on how much I enjoyed this game. So like, I think it blends SMT and Fire Emblem stuff better than I expected. Like, it's like a creative blend of how it puts these like elements of these two series together. And so that is like a plus for me. Like, okay, this is interesting. But the one thing about the game that like I think is like really super disappointing, and I, I, I can't almost overstate how disappointed I am in it, is the session system. You have like no agency over it. You basically, throughout the game, you gain more weapons. And as you gain more weapons, you can basically, your characters are able to link more attacks together. 
And this becomes like the key battle system element of this game. Like you do, like like in an SMT game, you want to target a weakness, and when you do that, you get extra attacks. In this game, it does that in the form of sessions. But you have neither uh, preparation nor execution control over it. It basically just happens in front of you, and you have there's nothing you can do about it. You you don't set them up, you don't prepare them, you don't you don't plan them, you don't put them together. It's just by coincidence and circumstance. There's, there's no thought at all. It just literally happens, and it's just kind of like really really disappointing that like there's nothing that that's all it is it's you basically it, like late in the game when the session links become pretty long it's literally literally okay hit this guy's weakness and i'm gonna wait like 10 15 seconds while the attacks go on let me check twitter let me that's just, best let me, like, let, like, let, me, let me refresh a tab oh okay let me do the next attack and now they're gonna link together again and let me refresh twitter and check a check a forum or check an email and it's just it's really disappointing so I think like, it, it makes it makes sorry. battles it makes battles much longer than they're supposed yeah, to be like, like a 10 second battle takes like 45 seconds it goes so the all this yeah. though is precisely why i don't think this is a top three i let me let me argue in, in favor of it then because i think that combat aside so the combat isn't great but then again you know Characters aren't i feel great like either. persona series in, in general, the combat isn't what I come to the games for, because even with Persona yeah, the, 4, yeah, as the much combat, as I love it, mm. let, me, let me speak about it, though. It's that even with Persona 4, it's that it's more like you've got the weak point, just keep hitting that weak point over and then do the follow-up attack. That's really all if you want to bore it super down to the most simple mechanics, if you want to be reductive, that's all it is. I understand, of course, that the 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 mechanics in Tokimura Sessions, it's, it's a lot of waiting around for the animations to complete. I think what Tokimura Sessions does very, very well is the characters. I think are great. I, I think that if you're into like the if you're into the ja- if you're into the Japanese uh, style and, and the entertainment and the idol side of things, I think it's great. I think the music is is the mm-hmm. best part of that. The concerts are very fun to be a part of. Uh, I think that uh, even with the even with the problems with the battle system aside, I still think it's fun. I think it's it's solid enough. It may not be the most original story. Uh, and, and, and it's not, and you know, I wasn't, I wasn't coming to the game. It's easily the best JRPG for the Wii U, which may not say a whole lot, but I think what it does in terms of the style, the music, the design, and, and all the overall hooks that you'd come to a JRPG, I think all those are great or at least very solid. And so uh, I think that's, I I can't, I can't say it enough that I think that Tokimura Sessions is one of my favorite RPGs of the year. Uh, and I, I want to I want to be very strong about that. I think it's better than some of the other games on this list, even if it might not be above Final Fantasy 15, which I can't speak of. I would put it over some of these other games on here, like Odin Sphere. I would put it above Odin Sphere at least. Am I the only one who's actually completed it? I've got, I've got very close, very close. As well. I haven't completed but, it. Yeah, let yeah, me yeah, let you, me you, let you me say expecto ending to change my opinion yeah, on tell, it. Tell let me, me let me say two more things. Okay. One characters. You're introduced to a character. And within 10 seconds, you literally know everything you need to know about that character. They're, they're, there's no nuance to them. There's no depth to them. They're basically like a trope, like a, a, an archetype, which isn't like necessarily a bad thing if the game isn't really trying to like have like deep persona type social link type characters. But it's just like, it's not, I don't think that's really a strong suit of that game. Like you're introduced to the actress who's from Hollywood who wants to be a big act, who wants to make it to the big time. And it's just like, there's nothing interesting about that character other than that. Or the character who wants to be a hero and things like that. It just there's I, nothing. I would yeah. I would put them. They might not be better than say Persona 4's cast, but I would still maybe put them more like with maybe Persona 3 or something like that. Like if you're talking about like what? the the characters, like Subasa, I think is great. I think Kira is great. Subasa is basically is I want to try my best and and get yeah, better. Sure. It's yeah, all it is. yeah. Kira, I I I think like yeah, and, and Kira I, I think is great. I I, I think there's. 
I think the the cat the characters are are amazing. Uh, there are definitely bad ones. Let me be clear. But there's bad ones uh, in these other games too. And so I I think it's that maybe I don't know. It, it's it's very difficult to to argue my 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 opinion on this because it seems like I'm I'm a losing part of this. But I I still I think Tokimura Sessions is it doesn't give enough credit for how how much fun I had with that game. I want to say one more thing, and I apologize if I'm talking too much, but this will be more praise. Tokyo Mirage Sessions felt, in, in many ways, like a PS2-era SMT game to me. First of all, because it's the first console game in SMT since then. But like, there were a lot of parts of it that I thought it did well. For example, like the dungeons reminded me of like Digital Devil Saga. Um, a lot of the... I already mentioned earlier how like it, it blended like SMT like press-turn-type combat with with fusion systems like an SMT only using Fire Emblem-type weapons and things like that. I feel like it does a lot of things um, pretty competently in that regard. But I do think things like the characters and the session system, which, again, is, like, is a huge, huge, huge disappointment to me, bring it down. Yeah, so, they're, they're the two biggest blights, too. I've amazing. heard that the primary character is very forgettable and bad. Yeah. Like, can you Well, that's he's supposed to be an insert. Now, that's not, that's, that's, that was pretty clear on the onset that that's the type of character he's going to be. And so I'm not... I, I guess it's from me from playing a lot of those types of games. I'm not too bothered by it. As someone who loves anime, I think that's probably why I feel better about it is because as, uh, I love anime anime and this game kind of touched on the same things that i loved about anime how bright and colorful it is as someone who doesn't get into because you mentioned digital digital devil saga and like nocturne the other shimagami tensei kind of games and people are going to be like it's not a shimagami tensei game it's a persona game just whatever um i think that that's what i love so much i think it's because the other parts of that game were so great because we're talking about 15 the hot very very high highs and very low lows I think uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, um, the concerts themselves, I think, were my favorite parts of that. And you don't see that in other games. Uh, and I, I think that's why I loved it so much. But, you know, it, it's really hard to, to argue with Adam about this. So, why don't we um, vote? Why don't we vote on either Final Fantasy XV or Tokyo Mirage Sessions? Just cool. right now. No, that's, that's really what it comes This is not, comes, this is not even a fucking things. voting issue. This is, it is it, Final Fantasy comes in above Tokyo Mirage Sessions. I know we're not doing positions, but like I'm, I would I'm not, not put it ready above to, Final Fantasy 15. I, I knew I wasn't going to win that. <laughs> I'm not ready to 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 delete Final Fantasy from the list, especially while while Tokyo Mirage Sessions is is still on there. I mean, I would delete um, it over Tokyo Mirage Sessions though, too. So, but like, I just like Final Fantasy 15 is such an interesting, ambitious, different game, even if in many places it's messy. Whereas I think. Artistically, Tokyo Mirage Sessions is ambitious and interesting, but in most other ways, it is not. Mm. I, it would it would still be in my top three. Fifteen probably would, but if we're having to choose between Tokyo Mirage Sessions and no, 15... I think I think this is just me saying. People said they wanted to cut fifteen, and I said, well, what about Tokyo Mirage Sessions? Right. Yeah, I, I think mean, if I'm looking, fifteen would be kind of <laughs> it'd be so weird cutting that right away like that. So let's that's, so, so, so let's so let's cut Tokyo Mirage Sessions. It's a good game. I, I feel like clear. it's better than I expected, but still falls short of being great. What, what about yeah. Dark Souls 3? Let's talk about that now. Well, the, the interesting thing about... It. <laughs> yeah. Well, the interesting thing about Dark Souls 3 is if someone, as someone who has in, you know, invested hundreds of hours into this series, many hundreds of hours, the interesting thing about Dark Souls 3, and you've, I've already you know, talked about this a bit already, 
is if I were to say what's the best Dark Souls game, what's the best Soulsborne game, I, I might say Dark Souls 3, like from top to bottom in terms of consistency. It's Agreed. got some amazing levels. There's no, I don't think there's a level in it that like every single game, even my favorite one is the first game by far, but there's never a moment uh, like Lost Isolith that's just terrible in this game. There's there's no environment that's just awful. <laughs> um, it, but uh, by the same token, um, I do think it's very safe, and I think that it's, you know, you talk about Final Fantasy XV being super ambitious. I would say Dark Souls 3 is not super ambitious. It's best it's best in its series in the sense that it is the, like, the fifth one, and it can iterate on what was best about all of those games. And I do think it's a really excellent RPG. I think, you know, maybe on this list it is the strongest one the most mechanically sound one that with the least amount of flaws but at the same time i can't help but also think this could have been so much more especially when i think like this is this might be the last dark souls game i'm not saying it's the last game of this type of this souls born type but by all accounts it, it is the last one they're done their their contract with uh with uh bandai namco so that it's an interesting game because i i it never really gets real high highs. It's just very consistent all throughout. That's what I would say about it. It's kind of a weird stance to take, but I just I can't get super enthusiastic about Dark Souls three the way I would about um, well, it's a lot better than two. Let me let me clarify that. <laughs> but um, the way I would about Bloodborne or Demon Souls, something like that, is just because it's so it's so what I would come to expect from these games. It's like what Alex was saying about uh, that that Ace Attorney game, where it's like this is really good. But it's another Dark Souls game. I pretty much agree with you right on the, you know, right on down to the last word. Like, I'm like, trying to think yeah, of a boss right. like Artorus or, or man, I don't remember the name. The DLC in Dark Souls 2 where you fight the knight from the from the Iron Keep. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, I can't remember right now, sorry. <laughs> but, like, I'm, or the Fume Knight, which is a different knight. And I'm just trying to think of, like, what was the Dark Souls 3 boss that I remember the most? And to be honest, it's the DLC one. Like from the from the main story, they're like, yeah, some of them are good and interesting, but they're not nothing that are really a lasting impression. I think yeah, like in like in the original. I hate to kind of draw back on the old games, but like you know, like I said, like the second half of the first Dark Souls is pretty much a mess just because they they were rushed. But then there was never a moment in Dark Souls three like fighting Seif or like fighting Gearman and Bloodborne or the Maiden Astraea in Demon Souls, these just like really, really great moments. Like this, this game just didn't have one of those other than Soul of Cinder, the last boss fight. And even that kind of, <laughs> it turns into a, a fight from the first game. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, the only other one is like Nameless King. It's like the only... That fight is really... That, see, a lot of those things, again, there's, there's no real bad boss yeah. fight in that game. It's just like there's yeah. not one that really stands out yeah. to me. That's the There's not one I that have. makes you go, wow. Yeah, exactly. I, like, I feel like the Nameless King kind of, of that loses. <laughs> I feel like the Nameless King kind of loses out that the environment that you're fighting in is exactly. just really boring. But, like, the fight itself but, is nice, but I like the required... Build-up. Because, yeah. because yeah. like, because like, when I think about my again, my favorite fights, like maybe my favorite fight in all of these games is the Maiden Astraea from from Demon Souls, sure. and she's she's not even really a boss fight. It's just such a it's such a great moment. I I don't even I won't get into it, but there, there's no that that from soft magic that I liked in all of these games except for maybe two. Um, and, <laughs> I like how and, you're making it up. Like not two though. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, 
two is like Attack of the Clones uh, level of bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it it doesn't do enough to stand on its own. That's what's weird about it. Is it is a very good game, and it might be the best of that series. But I have a hard time giving it like best big screen when it doesn't when when it doesn't resonate like the other ones did. That's my thoughts on it. Hmm. It's really hard to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Feel free to, I mean, if you I, want to, I, I, if you want to spoil, feel free to spoil because I think that's what this is here I'm, for. I'm, 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 I'm very, I'm very torn. For me, okay. So I know that 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 other people feel strongly about these two games, but for me, but the two on this list that I'm not particularly enamored for uh, is Trials of Cold Steel Two and Odin Sphere. I feel like the the other four are all uh, more in the running. I would put more in the run. I mean, personally, because that's all I can speak of. Because it's it was such a strong, strong game for me. Cold Steel One was, and Cold Steel Two is is already building up to be even better. Uh, from what I played it, I would put it in the top three. Because um, it, it was because it, if we're if we're going to do the thing because you mentioned before of including Cold Steel One with Cold Steel Two as a, as a package. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I, with, right. So what I said is, any victory for one game can be considered victory for both of them, but sure, sure. because they're so similar. But I'm not saying no, that we should I, judge I, it, would it based on both games. That, yeah, um, yeah. I, I would, I would, I would still though. It's that as as terms of an overall experience. Uh, as much as the guys like Dranquil's Builders, from what I understand it is that once you're done with the town and the chapter's over, you lose all your progress and it's gone. Um, and so I guess it's just from my own uh, overarching, like going from 90 hours. I'm sure you can spend a lot of time in Dranquil's Builders in a single town and all that, and that's, and that's awesome. Uh, I heard, though, it, it kind of just abruptly ends your progress and you have to start over from the, and c- c- continue with the story. Coastal... Uh, was such one one of my most uh, interesting experiences with an RPG, and everything it does is done so well. From the like I said, like the characters, um, the the writing itself, the uh, the politic the politics that comes into it, uh, the dynamic between those characters, but also the combat's really fun. Uh, the way you can like move your characters around and initiate all these like combos and um, partnership attacks that happen because the relationships come into play there. The music is freaking awesome. Uh, like up to like even the last dungeon in the first Cold Steel is such a great song and it really gets your blood pumping. And the boss battles are great. And it just there's so okay, much okay. going so, on with uh, that. Like. Because uh, personally, well, I would say like my top three. I'll just say my top three just to kind of let it out there is 15, Witcher 3, Cold Steel. That's just how I feel about it. Uh, yeah, I think Blood and Wine has to be on this list. Me too, I agree. Yeah, I do. I agree. So, so let, me, let me just say that the only game on the... So the, the list that's remaining is Dark Souls 3, Final Fantasy 15, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, Blood and Wine, Dragon Quest Builders, Odin Sphere, Left and Trails yes, of Cold Steel. You nailed it. <laughs> got it. And I, let me just say, like, even though there's a couple things in Final Fantasy 15 I like, like, and I prefer it, and I said I prefer it to like what Final Fantasy 13 offered, like, I am not like especially eager to put it in the top three. Like, it's, yeah, uh, I'm actually kind of it's on borderline uh, for me. I don't like even even though it's the only one of these games I played. Like, it's I uh, okay. the remaining I games, like it. Just, I like it a lot, but I think if I have to cut that or Dark Souls, I'm cutting Final Fantasy. It seems like I, it, I, it's, it's. I feel like that's fair because of what Kyle said about Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. 
it's consistent as opposed to 15 it sounds like you know that that's what i'll say about uh, about the comparing these two games is because I, I think that the ambition in 15 like it de- deserves to be commended even if it does fuck up a lot whereas whereas dark souls 3 is exactly what i was expect would expect from this series that that would be the distinction and that's why it's hard for me to argue strongly but i i do think yeah I think like Final Fantasy 15 is like more interesting than it is good. So I think I think Final Fantasy 15 won the award that it's appropriate for the best music. Music, yeah, yeah. 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 That's, yeah. The most, I, that's, that's actually the, the thing that I like the most about the game. Was it's the like Heaven's Sword, right? <laughs> well, the best soundtrack well, last Sword time. actually has a. Uh, in- uh, like actual narrative direction, which is a huge mm-hmm. misstep in 15. Like the narrative direction is all over the place and constantly right from the opening of the game, I was questioning what they were doing. Like it felt it, like they didn't have and I, I, the car for miles. Need, need I remind you for the 80th time of this podcast, they had to patch in the fucking storyline. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just like the cherry on top of this. Yeah, this I, whole I, mentioned, I mentioned earlier, even like in like the ch- early chapters, like before chapter eight, there's like even before like there's really the story even gets going. There's some weird like story things like with Jared and the, oh like, the way the way that Arania is like introduced. It just feels so like like not unnatural almost like like um, like it almost like there's like missing they, pieces. They, they took these these points and they kind of stitched them together, but they didn't have like any actual development in between these mm-hmm. different temples of what they were aiming the for. The storyboarding is totally fucked in that game. Like I can totally I can totally enjoy a game if it doesn't have like a good story. But um when it comes like... to the actual gameplay of Final Fantasy fifteen, I do feel like the quest design also brings it down. It's yeah. it's yeah. really pretty poor like it for sounds like we're in agreement people, though, yeah. people make fun of like 11 and 14 for having typical MMO fetch quests. Fuck those but guys. I would actually <laughs> argue that the quests in, in 14 especially are were a lot better, a lot more well done than what we saw in 15. Absolutely. So I think we're so going to cut 15. So we're cutting it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, much, so much for that Tokyo Rara Sessions versus Final Fantasy. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. It just kind of fell off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> they both just got screwed I still would have had that in top. Get a boot. Well, in Tokyo Mirage Sessions' defense, at least it has a cohesive story. Yes. Yeah. I will say, I did. I I actually thought it was pretty cool how Tokyo Mirage Sessions ultimately turned into like a retelling of Shadow Dragon. (laughs) (laughs) I guess, yeah. Right. Jeez. Okay, so um, now we've got it down to five games, and I still stick with my original. Well, fifteen's yeah. gone, so at this point okay. it would be. Can, can, uh, how about how about how about we do Odin Spear versus Coldsdale? How about Odin Spear versus Dragon Quest well, Builders? How about that? First of all, first of all, can I have like I, I like I almost trust it's good just from like my impression of it. But can someone like mount a defense for Blood and Wine? Like why it belongs here? I I, as yeah, an expansion? I, I haven't I haven't played it yet, so I need. I need it's to it's fucking phenomenal. It is it is it is, it is just why? an incredible package. <laughs> um, well, as I said earlier, you know, it, it, this is an expansion pack that was, you know, a relatively cheap price. And it takes what was a wonderful, you know, uh, set of gameplay mechanics and things like that to begin with. But sort of says, okay, the best possible approach for an expansion pack or DLC, they say, what can we do differently? And the answer ultimately is, let's change the tone. Let's take uh, Geralt and put him into... 
a world and a, and, a, and a scenario where it's just a completely different place so far removed from what he's used to so you know you go from a world that's all sort of bandits and swear and everybody's swearing and everybody's you know and a corrupt uh, king who a corrupt king and all that sort of stuff, to a to a kingdom that in a sense is almost quintessentially french fantasy as opposed to english fantasy basically is the difference mm-hmm. So it's, in it's, lots, style. <laughs> it's lots of it's lots of really noble knights, and they have you know jousting tournaments, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then there's you know, and bubbling underneath the surface, there is of course some nastiness going on. There's murders uh, and that sort of stuff. It, it, it sort of nails all the different feels. Boclo is a beautiful new place to explore. Um, there's a really pretty interesting main storyline where you're sort of thrusting your way through this murder mystery um but in in addition to that there's some really great side stuff that's built in an enormous map that is i'm gonna guess that i don't know you'd, ha- you'd have to look i'd have you'd have to have a proper comparison but and probably probably Buckler is much smaller than lucis in final fantasy 15 but it doesn't feel much smaller because there's a density to it there's a lot to see there's a lot to do there's a shed load of side quests and much the same as the witcher 3 they are they are dynamic in the way they emerge um, and appear, and it is just—it's just, it, it's just so a, better than Final Fantasy Fifteen side quest. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I think, I think that, <laughs> that's not that's not hard. To <laughs> I mean, I think how that... many times are you going to go search for like a piece of ore? Or... <laughs> hey, find that dog. I, I will say that The Witcher Three, both the base game and the expansion, does rely a little bit too much on Witcher senses. Like usually the yeah. framework, usually the framework is done really well and the motivation for doing the quest is usually really strong and well written but at some point it revolves down to i got to figure out where someone or something or some person went and i have to use my witcher sense and follow the red trail and it's it's it shows up more often than you like oh this again but it's kind of a nitpick because everything else is well put together i I know some people i know some people have said that blood and wine almost feels like Almost feels like a sequel, even though it's not a sequel. Is that like oh, it, absolutely, it, it, abs- yeah. it absolutely? Let me just put it this way: it is. If this came out in the early two thousands, this would have been an expansion, just one you have to buy on the shelf. That's how big it is. It's bigger than The Witcher two, and so, and finally, it it wraps up. It is the end of Geralt's story. That's all I'm gonna say. It is the end of that story. He dies. So yeah. No, I knew someone was going to say that. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Don't, uh, don't, 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 I want to play no, it. It's, it's sort of like it's a very, it's a very, it's a very fond farewell to the character as well. That's yes. part of the fun, I think, of putting him into this world where everything isn't terrible and everything isn't awful. Is that they get to have a bit of a, they get to have a bit of fun with him. They get to have a wink and a nod. So there's a quest in that game, for instance, that is just a riff. It's just a joke about how awful waiting times are in banks. <laughs> where oh where, yeah where, yeah where you have to where you have to get um you have to get make a withdrawal for somebody and you're sort of like oh you need form 728b but you have to get that from the desk upstairs and then when you go to the desk upstairs the guy's like i can't give you form 728b until you do this and it's deliberately shunting you back and forwards in a really annoying way um and <laughs> it's really fun and that that sort of it's really fun and really funny, and you know, you, you know that quest culminates in 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 Garrett just like you know, sitting on the floor of the bank playing, playing Gwent with somebody in order to pass the time because there's no other, there's nothing else to do other than to wait for these 
awful people in the bank who are clearly just, you know, standing around talking and not actually working, but telling you they need more time. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's full, of, it's full of fun stuff like that. But at the same time, you've got all that stuff, which just gives adds character and stuff like that. But then equally, there's plenty of great monster hunting to do and mm-hmm. and, and combat opportunities and all that sort of thing. It's a, I love the supporting cat supporting cast like Regis is so great. Um, every all of the new characters because like by and large it's mostly there's not a lot of carryover from the base game Ooh, in terms right. of the cast. And, and I think someone mentioned earlier it's about as long as like Final Fantasy 15 story is in a sense. Yeah, it's oh, no, it's there, about 25 yeah. hours. It was about, it's about yeah, 25 I mean, hours. I think the main story yeah the main story is probably about 20 right. Yeah, maybe, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, 16, 17, 18, somewhere, some, more than fifteen, less than twenty, maybe I guess. And then there's there's a decent amount of side content. So there definitely is, you know, um, it feels like the size of a of a full game in many in many regards. And I think you could make an argument, a strong argument for perhaps this doesn't win overall because it's an expansion pack. Mm-hmm. But I absolutely feel it's it's top three. Do they build upon the auxiliary systems on uh, Blood and Wine compared to the original game? Like, are there new skills? Well, so, so some of the stuff, they added a lot of stuff alongside Blood and Wine, but a lot of it does uh, does transfer back into the old <laughs> game. But, like, during the, you know, as part of the Blood and Wine set, they added, you know, uh, the ability for you to dye your armors and stuff like that to give a greater degree of, of freedom. Because, obviously... You know, you, you you can customize how you're dressed, but it's within the constraints of what the different armor types and clothes types are. Whereas this game actually, the, the expansion actually added in the ability to um, to color clothes in an individual way. So I wanted, you know, I had like had a purple and blue, dark purple, dark blue color scheme going on that I really loved, and that stuff all feedback into the other RPG systems as well in that you have to gather the ingredients in order to make the dyes. So you mm-hmm. find that stuff out in the world and hold on to it. Um, they also overhauled the menus completely. And, you know, there are a few uh, little ticks in combat as well that are new blood and wine just as part of having new monsters to hunt and things like that. I think it's I think it's great. I, I Yeah, I mean, and for what it's worth, you know, it's not like we're deciding among ourselves, so it's not like... Um, it's not like this is a big deal for us in terms of in terms of, uh, of determining anything for us. But it, literally, if, if I was looking at this before we started today, and like Blood and Wine is the second, the, actually not even the second, the joint highest rated game of this year over on Open Critic. Yeah, for good, I would, re- for good reason. Yeah, I would say that this is my favorite out of all of these out of this whole list. I think it's so. It was just such a good send off, and and like Alex said, like it was so nice just exploring just like a place of vibrant colors, like everything good about The Witcher Three, but it doesn't look like you're like in a dirt factory or whatever. Potentially, <laughs> um, you know, because obviously it's I know, such I know, a shitty place I, to oh, be. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, I know, oh, I know that. Totally, but totally what I'm saying, it, it it was it was just such a it was like a romanticized version of The Witcher Three. And sure. while I don't think it's as strong as like the main story isn't as strong as the 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 base game which is really hard to match so i don't blame them and even the first expansion heart of stone but overall this was such a just oh, it was just such an excellent uh addition to the game it, it, it to me it was just like heaven's word was last year where it's like it trumped like 
a lot of the newer stuff, the the full complete games for me. It did. If that the, makes sense. The, the thing that I'm going over in my head, looking at the these, oh, right? Yeah, these five games. Mm, uh, I. I'm 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 not convinced about about trials of cold steel there am i i would firstly it's that i would put it over dragon quest builders because even then it's not this okay i'm going to say something that's that's kind of mean as well dragon quest builders doesn't seem like much of an rpg it's more like it's a building simulation and then odin's fear <laughs> life thracer is uh it's it's Did you play it it's a i only played the demo that's why uh that's all i can say is from what i've seen and i've seen people play it like i watch streams i watch the japanese version of it and it's pretty cool i just that's just my feeling on the matter. I mean, I'm actually but... going to have to agree with Zach yeah. uh, if we're comparing Cold Steel to Dragon Quest Builders. Like, Cold just... Steel just has so much to do, and, you know, given given what Falcom had, they, they really built, you know, it's not, like, the most technically amazing RPG out there, but, <laughs> you know, it's, it's an RPG fan's RPG. Hmm. Totally, and I think that I was so enthralled with everybody that I met in that story. Every single person I came across always had like a very interesting story to tell. And there's all, there's like this growth. Like I would come. So for example, like in, in cold still Two, there's like this boy who likes to pick on this girl. Every time I would come back, something new would be going on with those characters. It's not like some RPGs where all you see is just someone who was like, you obviously going to meet this person. Yeah, but let me tell you, let me tell you. Let me tell you, you could say that shit about the random no names that you pass on the Citadel in Mass Effect. It doesn't mean they're necessarily <laughs> well. Like, you know, that's so. Uh, no, 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 but I mean, there, there's a case to be made because, like, the the Kiseki series, the Trail series, uh, like the there's actually arcs going on in those NPCs, like the divorced families, you know, or runaway children and whatnot. And like you, like there's there's the 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 amount of like content and care that Falcom puts into its role design about it so and just making it feel nice. like like you're just, just like making it feel like you're living in this world there are constant things going on things are not at a standstill life always goes on in this there's just a a, a certain uh, level of detail that's put into those background characters that all have names that's just like you don't see that much in RPGs anymore because I, I, it, go I on saw it Mass Effect. well basically um so like I think everyone basically everyone agrees who are familiar with these games that the world building is like the strongest element of it, and that's like this we mentioned earlier it's like the only RPG series that does that well over like a series of now eight games now. Except you like, literally build in Dragon Quest Builders. So right. Take that. I would. But like, <laughs> I just want. I just want to I say. Wasn't, I, wasn't, that I wasn't finished. I wasn't finished. Yeah, go ahead. I know. Like I I've heard some people like what Josh was just saying like there are like parts of this story that are like happening in the world away from the player's perspective or away from the character's perspective. And it's like a lot of RPGs kind of fall into the trap where like your character is like the only, like the only important person in the world and everything happens because of them for some reason. Um, where from based, based on what I played in like the trails in the sky game. So I'm kind of like, I'm kind of assuming here, like there, I get what Josh is saying. Like you have this world, these world events that are happening and you're just kind of seeing like a small part of it. And like each game that you play, you're kind of seeing, of it and that's this whole world building it kind of reminds this is my main point it kind of reminds me of like the suikoden series and i've seen i've, I've seen more than one person say that like the cold steel series is basically the suikoden it's not exactly the same but like the fact that like the, how this world is built 
and how these like see like these like larger scale stories of kingdoms and and there's a, there's some politics in there and things like that I you know it's, I can see where they're coming from when they make that and and that's the thing I, I want to mention is that I actually this is a, a, something that I think it does better than say like Mass Effect because you mentioned the NPCs on the Citadel I actually like deeply cared and this is i enjoyed the mass effect series for the characters that i met i mentioned like in mass effect 3 like there's this whole thing happening in the hospital when you get to like every time you came back there was something happening to this woman who was telling her story about what happened at this at this house that happened to her like her family that was there and that moved me i think with cold steel the thing i cared about most that i actually personally deeply cared about what was happening to the other students that were that were part of this school like oh my gosh like what's happening to these people these characters that i i cared so deeply about that i kept wanting to come back between chapters to find out what is going on with their stories and like uh, adam was talking about there's these care there's these arcs that are happening what josh talked about too of course there's these arcs that are happening between the characters that um occur throughout the story that made me moved uh that, that moved me and and made me want to know what's happening because what happens in cold steel 2 is that you're basically cut off from the rest of these students and so i i i that's the thing is about i i, I remembered all these characters all these students that i met i could be months removed from playing cold steel and i still remembered all these people that i met and wanted to know okay what's this happening like this person who lost their parents at a young age this person who um is caring for the rest of their family as like a big sister person. It's like, there's all these different characters that I actually cared a lot about. And I think it does better than even Mass Effect does in the NPCs. Okay. Can I, can, can I just go off the rails for Cold Steel too? Because I feel like I've been dancing around it. And just one of those things. It's like, if you really want to, uh, can, can I just like let loose on like, what are like the last parts that, uh, that, that game that like, I won't get into six like characters, but like the overarching events that are going on. Yeah. So that, that's, that, that's, that, that's, the, that's the X factor in Cold Steel too. On like story presentation, so basically at the end of Cold Steel 2, um, there's a big revelation that happens in which you're kind of forced to fight one of your uh, dearest compatriots, and after that, there's an even bigger plot twist in which a certain character that you thought wasn't there uh, shows up, drops a big uh, revelation on the cast, and you're kind of held at a at a big cliffhanger, and it goes to the first set of credits, and during this first set of credits. Uh, you're given Xseed actually put in images of like uh like a uh, the like kind of like the childhood of like these uh your main cast that like you can you can see where they're coming from as like just an added bonus like I was supposed to be in the Japanese version and then right after that it switches over to the perspective of the of two of the main characters in the Crossbell arc and then you're like of course to a lot of people who haven't uh, to who've been playing this it's like who the hell are these characters but to you know people who played uh, Zero and Ao no Kiseki. Uh, they're like, holy shit, why the hell are they here? Why are they back? And then it all circles back to, oh, oh shit, they're, they're, they're infiltrating this because this is, they're now focusing on the independence of Crossbell arc that was uh, introduced in Aonukiseki. And then they're, they're, the main two characters of, or the two characters of the Crossbell arc are fighting against uh, two of the cast members, including the main character of uh, uh, Cold Steel 2. It is like unconventional storytelling like that and then the final dungeon in Cold Steel 2, just basically uh, Class 7's last hurrah before they go their their old they go their old separate ways and everything. It's just like that storytelling in RPGs that you don't see because it subverts expectations. They, you think that the, it ends on this note, but there it ends on a on a on a scale that like it expands the world and intertwines arcs of a long running RPG series 
that's like it's it's almost unheard of because i i don't know where the hell they get this ambition from <laughs> right it's all a big picture they think about like, yeah years and but you can't the play the other one but are yeah, you that, that, about that, games that, that you can't that's play a, that, that's the unfortunate part English. of it yeah not not, not the zero and uh, out like that's the biggest thing uh like plot about it the localized version it's like the significance of the events that happen in cold steel 2's like end part is like it, it's it kind of dampers it a little but i think just cold steel 2 overall just as an rpg uh and even like just the the stories they tell for the characters and the politics that go on in the world that all build up to an even larger mystery that's been uh, built up ever since the first trails game i think that has a much more significant impact as an rpg game over Dragon Quest Builders. And I'll tell you why. Because Dragon Quest Builders, while I love it, I love it to death, uh, it has a lot of quality of life things that are not in that game, like uh, the making items that you can one of or only the max of, not like in between. There's also, of course, the, the progression reset. And there's also just, there's like, uh, there are hidden items in that game that they don't tell you. Like you have to complete like chapters within a certain amount of days or you or you miss out on this item. And they don't tell any of you that, like, you know? Mm. It's just one of those things, like, there's a lot of quality of life things. Like, I, I'm super excited if they make another Dragon Quest Builders and they take in, like, the quality of life, uh, like, Co-op. complaints that we have now. <laughs> Co-op. You know, that'd, be, uh, that'd yeah. be amazing. But right now, Dragon Quest Builders serves as, like, as a fantastic foundation, but it's not quite there yet. While Cold Steel 2 is more, much more fully realized as a game. Hmm. I don't know if this makes any sense at all, but I do kind of feel like the cold, the the Kaseki games, the Trails games, being so interlinked to each other, I do think, in a sense, it does kind of dampen them individually. It does, yes. Like, it's like the, the the reason why I haven't played Cold Steel is because I haven't played the first Cold Steel, and, and I haven't played that one because I haven't finished Trails in the Sky's second chapter yet, and then there's still the third chapter that's not right. out yet, and it's just kind of, yeah. I do feel like, like, Are I can you? see like why people love it so much. When they like or have invested in all these games, I do feel like when you're talking about like individually, it does dampen it. It 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 does in a sense, but coming from someone like me who hasn't played, like I, I already mentioned before about where I was coming from and that I I didn't play past uh, Trails in the Sky one, and so and I was going straight into Cold Steel and reviewing it. That I still fell very much in love with the world, and and there was books that you can read inside that world. We're going back to like the encyclopedia stuff from thirteen Final Fantasy thirteen, but it's um, there's books you can read to get to know about the story itself, and uh, there's clearly guides out there, which seems like a very crazy thing. We're, if we're going based off of the game itself, and we're ignoring the books that you can read in that world. There's still a lot of stuff you can take in, and the dialogue that you uh, get from that game does still give it that brevity uh, of what, what's happening in this world and how important it is. It's about the nobles versus the imperials and all this kind of stuff that's happening that you still can pick up and, and experience. I will agree that it does damper it a bit because, uh, like Josh was talking about, that it, these two characters that I still would say that there'd be some kind of shock there. Like, who are these people? I can't wait to play the next game and find out who exactly they are. That's probably what I would my approach would be from that. But at the same time, I still think that it's beyond just the character arcs themselves. Um, it's it's everything else that is also just as strong in terms of like the the uh, the combat, like I mentioned, the music and all this other stuff that's happening. I think it's uh, as a as a as a package, it's still pretty strong. If as long as they hmm. don't have the Nord Highlands, Highlands, that was pretty bad. But... <laughs> like like this this this. Big Street RPG category, I think top three is definitely Odin Sphere, Blood and Wine, and Cold Steel 2. I would have put Odin Sphere forever ago, but I mean, I don't have yeah, a horse race at any point. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think this is a lukewarm thing for me. I honestly don't think any of these are particularly. 
I kind of felt from the I, beginning. I, I, I actually, yeah. Category. Category. Do, you want, do we want to cut out in Sphere? I mean... Yeah. Oh, there is, there is one. I just, yeah, sorry, I just thought of this. I just want to say this out loud so we've said the name, but I'm sure <laughs> the answer is to cut it. Nobody has any feelings about Xenoblade, I guess. No.
It kind of feels a little awkward being uh, I an think, expansion, but I think... Or maybe Cold like, Steel. I'll, I'll take Cold Steel <laughs> if you guys want to give it to Again, her. Again, like we said earlier, it's a 30-hour expansion. That's longer than most standalone games. Yeah, I think I think we're going to get some shit off, off, off certain people in our audience. But also, I look at this list... I mean, last and... year I really wanted <laughs> Heaven's Heaven Sword me too. to oh, win. <laughs> But you know, sorry, again, no, it's it, it's an expansion, but it was. I mean, I kind of I kind of I kind of figured this. Too. I kind of figured this category would would be weak. Like in the recent months, I played like Deus Ex, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, Final Fantasy 15, and all of them. I'm like, do any of these yeah. really deserve the win? Like, uh, yeah. yeah, next year all is going to be insane. But this year, all of yeah. them I think are good games, but they're all of like pretty significant flaws. All the ones we so, wanted yeah. were delayed yeah. to 2017. I mean, <laughs> I feel like better. this year. Yeah. Yeah, the small screen was a lot. I want to. I want to argue for SMT four to win overall. To be honest, like, well, let's let's has... wait. Let's 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 wait let's, on that. Uh, I feel like it's <laughs> okay. Uh, I, let's let's just say it. Okay, it, but... we, we are in agreement. Blood and wine wins. Sure, I guess. Yeah. I, mean, I, feel, I feel like what I feel, I feel like a lot of people are just saying yes just to wrap up the argument. No, no, no. It, okay, <laughs> no, it's, no, it's I mean, it's lukewarm though. I just feel it, like from everything I've heard thing. and and what's See, said here, here is blood and wine. So See, whole, I'm not lukewarm about it. I think that game is fucking incredible. I, I think so. I, I, I think it is about cold steel, but I, I think understand the argument of blood and wine. I think it's outstanding, but the thing is, the base game and the first expansion, in my opinion, are better. So that's why I'm kind of lukewarm on it. Is because because like like Heart of Stone was so much better than Blood Where and Wine. I, I, I agree that Heart of Stone was because because Stone I because Bloodborne was better. You didn't beat Witcher yeah. three until like this year, right? Like me. We, yeah. Did you beat it last year? I'm sorry, I, I forget if you were the I, only I, player. I, I beat it this year, but I still think Bloodborne's better. But that's besides the point. Oh sure. Um, See, I'll also I'll I'll also say this. I will say that say that's how you feel, but. For me, Blood and Wine is my favorite slice of The Witcher 3. Really? So. Cool. Okay. I could see that. I could see that. All right. Everyone yeah. got it. I, I feel like no matter which of, these, was kind which of these we, we pick, is, uh, that doesn't thought, quite feel right because it's, you know. I mean, I mean, in a in a year where Deus Ex Mankind got di- and divided, got nominated for best anything, I, we kind of failed. I think mankind divided. I feel was so. Good. I don't know. Like I don't know. I don't know what happened with with that game with DSX. Like, it barely got any promotion. Like they stayed quiet for about it for so long, and yeah. then you yeah. know, they they try to do some really kind of shady practices and people. <laughs> there, there's some of the marketing pre order or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, it just. Never felt like they had any confidence in the game, unfortunately. It, Let's. I wonder why it got delayed when you think about it. Well, they said for quality reasons. Oh. Like Final Fantasy XV. Right. Uh... <laughs> so, so, so obviously, you know, now we shift across to, to, to the best overall, and the best oh, overall yep. can obviously be made <laughs> up of any of the nominees, uh, the nominees as well, and and. And for the best overall, we also need to remember that we do actually pick a third place, a second place, and a first place. Yes, this is this is um, the only time it really comes into play, I think. So, or, or is more so powerful. Why is Final Fantasy IX in there? It's totally <laughs> the greatest RPG this. Yes, it's, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely yeah. better than I all mean, of these games. It's, yeah, it's, it's a really annoying. great game. <laughs> Where's the, one joke? Of the best Final Fantasy games? So, <laughs> so, so. so 
I'm oh. I'm gonna say something now that might be that might shock. <laughs> but <laughs> I actually think that Stardew Valley wins. Oh my god. I, I agree. The most, but I thought I was gonna be by myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's very fucking close. Yeah. Um, the strong arguments for SMT. Uh, but it's you know I'm not. I want to love it. I'm not into the yeah. SMT series at all. So, I forget, I forget, are the nominees up for this too, or just the top? Or just no, the so the nominees it's, could yeah. be up for it because obviously you know it's not necessarily going to go best big screen, best small screen, best indie. It may be the case that one of the runners up for best small screen is better than anything from best big screen or, or indie. I yeah, think that is the case. So, or indie. So, but in this instance, actually, I do sort of think the. The order can be debated, but I do sort of think the winners of the categories are the top three of those nine games. Mm-hmm. No, I, yeah. I, I, th- I agree. I don't think like any of the other ones are going to be able to beat these three as much as I love uh, Cold Steel. You wouldn't pick like Sun and Moon over Blood and Wine or something like that? <sighs> so I could see that <laughs> I, argument, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. me too. I, 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 I really like Sun and Moon, but still no. It ain't like, no Carol. For, I will, for all the, I will. <laughs> weirdly for all the ways in which pokemon changed up its formula ironically the witcher 3 probably does as in blood and wine probably does more interesting with the formula established in the witcher 3 than 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 pokemon does with the formula established in the original pokemon 20 years ago <laughs> in a weird way it subverts it subverts expectations more it does more that's different <laughs> but I, 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 I think Stardew Valley might be the winner. I'm gonna disagree. I mean, I'm gonna disagree too. I, 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 it might just be it's not my type of game, but like I, I, I played a little bit of it. I tried, I tried, and it just, uh, I just, like I, I mostly play only RPGs, and like I don't know the Stardew Valley management stuff. It just. And the time, like the 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 regular, like the the time scale, and like in terms of like real time, all that, just it did not. It was like, to be honest, like I, it just did not like it at all. So it just, I, and maybe, and maybe I don't want to, I don't want to like, I don't want to emphasize my own opinion too much. But like, if you have to like a very specific type of RPG, like, can it be the winner of best RPG if it's so like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, just well, some of the themes in Stardew, like going back to the characters and stuff, outside of the time management and stuff like that. I mean, there's a character in that game that like struggles with alcoholism, and then there's a character in that game who is like seriously neglected by their family, and just so many of these little side things in that game were just they were really different from the reasons why. Oh, well, some of my problems with with Harvest Moon, I guess, because you have all those archetypes of just like anime girl anime boy whatever in harvest moon that are just very like what you see on the surface is it um but star stardew took it i guess a little deeper than that and that's why i think it was so special to me at least but i also i mean smt i want to see it win at the same time because i just feel like I guess this kind of goes back to the, like what am I looking for in an RPG and like mm-hmm. I don't like I there, I can like there there are characters I like and characters I don't like but like if that's really like 
if, if it's just good characters plus this management stuff, I don't know. Like it's not, that that alone just is not what I'm looking for in an RPG. Um, like I mean, Shimagami Tensei I think has good characters, especially relative to that series and what they have had. It's a big improvement. But then it has the normal things I like. Like I don't I didn't even get to talk about this before. Like one of the things I like most about SMT is you build your own party in a sense. You have full control over how you can coordinate your team. Your, your, your what, what attacks they have, what your healing strategies are, what your defense strategies are, what your buffing and debuffing and things like that. I, I, I've always preferred that type of like player agency, like have that level of control over battles and things like that. So yeah, it's more traditional RPG, and I understand that Stardew is not, and it's not trying to be. It's just that that type of game that Stardew is is just not the type of game I really care for so i guess i, I didn't touch when i'm talking yeah. about myself when i'm talking for myself and what i would pick in my contribution at, to the site like i can i like i totally understand that people can fall in love with stardew and it's and it's very obvious that it's a very well liked game but just for myself it's just not for i think yeah, it's, I, but we're making I, the same case is that we knocked cold steel because it's hard to get into <laughs> because it's it's like a game that you know you have to play the earlier games does Shimigami Tensei 4 Apocalypse fall into that same thing in that you? No, you don't need to play SMT4. You that's, do not. That's what I'm asking. Yeah. Not at all. I mean, and it's also worth mentioning because you mentioned because you you reminded me, Adam, that the gameplay in Apocalypse is a much more strategic than four. You don't have your main four like god demons that like you eventually build up to. You actually need to use like the full potential arsenal of your team because of the way like the whole balancing the whole rework balance that game. Like your options aren't so like I. Overarching, like that, you can uh, you can compensate for every single weakness in your team with just three other demons. You actually need to use uh, like your extended party as well to like uh, like tackle on various challenges. Well, because for example, you'll, you'll, have, you'll have you'll have you'll have battles where you have no breaks in between that you have yeah. to keep on uh, going through. The like, final, some of the final battles that are linked together that are linked together. I, th- I thought it was really cool. Like you have, like in any game like this, like you have like your main team, like your main character, then you're like built demon. But like in those final battles, like I had to like I was like pu- calling demons from my reserves and like trying to like like th- the fact that you kind of have like your main team of demons, and then you can have like a-, a reserve team of demons that like all have different purposes and roles and kind of like switching them in and out. Like that type of level of strategy is just that really appeals to me. Like and it's kind of just this is where it gets so awkward because it's like so different from like Stardew Valley. But it's just yeah. what I prefer. So I, I, I would, I would pick SMT4 Apocalypse. I said earlier it's my game of the year. I understand it's not everybody's game, and it, like people can say that exact same thing about Stardew Valley. But for me, it's definitely what I would pick as the number one, especially considering how weak the big screen RPGs seem to me. I, uh, I don't think it, it should be understated though how incredible Stardew Valley is in terms of being a project because it was made by one person. I don't think that mm-hmm. that can really be understated how how amazing that is, and that it's like a labor of love. This person's put so much content into a game working by himself. Because you're talking about it's got all the different elements that uh, Harvest Moon had in terms of relationships, having a marriage, having kids, being able Crafting. to build a so farm, one thing. So, so one thing stuff. I will say about Stardew is it is a, it, it is admittedly sort of a make your own fun sort of game, but yeah. it, it there's almost a dirt, there's almost the content spread too thin in a sense where eventually the daily routine, it, it's the same burnout I get with Animal Crossing, the daily routine I, sort of. I think, I think when I, when I first played this game, I actually, I think I probably tweeted it. Like it gives me the same chore feeling that Animal Crossing does to me. 
Like it feels like a chore to me. Yeah, but it's uh, it's obviously it's it's the appeal having like you've got farming, combat, cooking, crafty, like uh, and and relationships, marriage. It's got so much content in there. It may not cater directly towards you because it's like busy work, uh, but for people like me and Andrea, I'm sure can also agree. It's that. Uh, we like to have that type of organization and and structure in our type of the type of game that we we can really enjoy, and I think that it's really fun being a part of this more, uh, you know, shoot alive type of simulator. Right, and I think too, like it, it doesn't have to be the same chore every day. I no. think that Stardew has so much different stuff going for it. Like I can spend several days in a row trying to figure out what I want to craft, and the next day I'm going to spend it reorganizing my house because organizing stuff in games is like one of those things that appeals to me. And then the next several days I'll try to get a boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's and it's and also like the, the like once again is that the creator he's constantly adding stuff to it and all like more dialogue more he's adding more like relationship uh opportunities uh characters that you can have a relationship with oh, yeah. and there's this and and you know some of them some of the characters you meet might be more stronger than the others uh but like Andrew oh, yeah. these narratives oh, are so. I want. I want to mention that Darren also picked SMT as his game of the year. So that means okay. the three I, of us, the three of us who have played the game, are all very positive on it. I think. Okay. I'm. 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 I'm torn because I do. I like Star. So here's where I stand. I like Stardew Valley a lot. Um, and I think it's a a good uh, a good a well designed game and an incredibly impressive indie project. However, and I put quite a number of hours into it. However, I did sort of taper off and lose interest because it does sort of it does sort of rely a bit too much on that loop. Um, and it's weird because like Animal Crossing, in a sense, is more designed for you to fall away after some time and eventually stumble back to it. Whereas the fact that the Stardew does at the same time have these overarching. It has, you know, actual plot stuff in a sense. Um, makes it weird to do that with. Well, there's still no definitive end in that game. No, like Harvest Moon games, yeah. you you yeah. you hit all of these certain goals, and then what? Then it's just a matter of seeing how much money you can get. Like, yeah. But then, 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 Witcher I feel is definitively one of the best, uh, one of the best, one the best expansion ever made. One of the best RPG things in 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 recent memory um i think it's wonderful however i'm 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 also cognizant of maybe i wonder if 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 full-on game of the year is 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 a bridge too far for what is an expansion pack and then smt i haven't paid i haven't played too much of it but what i have played has been good and i I trust Mm -hmm. i trust your guys judgment so the the weird thing is and i think this has been a theme in the last category as well for, for for most of you is that I could be relatively happy with any of these three winning. Yeah. I, th- I think uh, just hearing all of the discussions about all of these, about the three games, I think I think Adam sold me on why uh, it should be Apocalypse. It seems like a very complete experience. I don't want yeah, Honestly, <laughs> and <laughs> no, hearing, hearing, hearing things. Uh, it's already the Apocalypse. It's he- 2016. Uh, yeah, thanks, Dad. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, oh. no, I lost my train of thought. Thanks. Um, <laughs> Sorry. 
So I think Adam really sold me on this game and it, and hearing things like both Josh and Adam said this, that it's something that anyone can play. Like I don't have to play SMT four to play this. Whereas to, you know, to fully appreciate B- blood and wine, you have to play all of the Witcher three. Um, well, not yeah. all of it, cause it'll play like 700 hours, but you have to play the base game <laughs> and the first expansion. And, uh, I, that, I think that's a factor too. Uh, because it is an expansion, I do think it's excellent. I think I think it absolutely deserves to be where it is. Because I know some people are like, "Oh, it's DLC." Let me tell you, before DLC was a term, we had things called expansions, and like you would go to Walmart and buy this thing on a, on a shelf if it came out in like 2002. Is what like, I, I remember, like Age of Empires, and you get like Age of Empires Gold Edition, and it came yeah, with like, a bunch of new stuff, good. and it was like you bought it again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Gold it, it's basically, it's like that. Like so, but I think. It sounds to me like Apocalypse probably deserves to win this. I thought you had to play the neutral route, though, or whatever of SMT4. Well, that's is, that's, it, that's it, why it, I haven't yeah, played it yet. So this is, here, here's the thing that like I wasn't aware of before I played it. It Like, it, the way it kind of, like, it, it's almost like a retcon. It's not really a retcon, but it basically plays an alternative version of the neutral route of the first game. So even if you don't like didn't play the first game and you don't know what that neutral route is it basically plays it over again for you and it's, it's not exactly the same it's different you're uh, playing another you're playing a new character you're not playing the same character from the four it's a, it's a new protagonist and while there are uh characters that show up from the first game in it you don't need to know about them because they explain it to you right there and because not a lot happens in that, in that first game yeah, so they're, they're very they're very they're kind of they're not like super super like crazy detailed characters they, point, they point, tell you for the game point blank if i just wanted to jump into this could i yes it's, there you go. It's, it's like more like whenever they say you can jump in at any anywhere like you're always you're always hesitant like really can i but this game i i'm pretty sure you can it's i am it's, super confident it feels, it feels kind of tough confident. to say because like even if i was in your shoes you'd be like well i played four so i understand like these characters and yeah, that's, the significance that's... of seeing them come back like as a ghost or whatever it makes it more important but like it's like someone like should you see the movie before you read the book it's and as someone who's read the book i can say it's 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 tough navar, but, i mean i'll navar, take your word for it of course but navar is a main character in smt4 apocalypse and he's like a nobody in smt4 like it literally doesn't matter if you don't know where <laughs> but he's, he's from. dlc right <laughs> but i don't mean the main characters i mean like side characters that's just important to yeah. me me too I understand. most of the most of the characters in smt4 apocalypse are new there's a couple old ones but it's Hmm. I mean, I well, you 100% do not have to play the base game. Yeah, it's but. like the way it does it. It basically what it does is like take SMT4 and then like chop off the last 20% of it. And then like it re basically replays that for you. It's slightly different. It's like a retcon in a sense. Um, yeah, okay. it's, that's it's really like that's really like the most important part of the game anyway yeah it's 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 tough for me personally just because i have absolutely no interest in playing apocalypse but i can I, i'll take your word for it how good it is um and that and i'm not i'm not trying to like devalue it at all uh it's just my own personal taste that i i just can't get into those games because they're too dark it's weird because yeah. I, I i praised darkest dungeon before but i think it's just because <laughs> Megami tensei the way it spins and and its mood and all that stuff it's it's one of the most anime. light-hearted mainline smts relatively speaking it's sure. actually and it actually has a, it actually has like nice, a nice nice core group of uh, characters that develop with you and i would probably you like it that... more i just you know I, I was bored to tears with like nocturne and digital devil saga and i think that's probably that's not like me for me to say but yeah no 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 I'm, I'm not trying to compare it in that sense i'm just saying like it's 
if it's as good as what you guys are saying it is. Um, I guess it's just because I, I have a lot of appeal for Stardew the character. Valley, but... The character interplay is a lot stronger. Hmm. Like, and there are silly moments. So, very, very, very minor spoiler. There's a point where like your characters have to pretend they're older than they are because a lot of them are pretty young. <laughs> Fire Emblem, they wear a disguise. <laughs> Well, like, they, like well, the main, like the main, the main uh, female heroine Asahi puts on like a bunch of makeup to try to look older, and then like one of the angels she's trying to fool is like, "Hey, you, makeup is like like a sin. Please don't wear that much makeup. You like you look you look like a caked up clown." And then like after they get past the angels because they're trying to fool them, like they're just it's like a lighthearted moment, like a, a, a caked up clown. <laughs> like it's just like a lighthearted moment where they kind of like poke fun at each other. So there's a lot of moments like that where it's not so dark. <laughs> like yes, they're in like a post of clowns. <laughs> clowns are scary yeah. though. I don't know. It's, you're you're making it more frightful. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's I, I I I mean personally, like I mentioned before, is that I'm I I feel very strongly for Stardew Valley. As even if I haven't played all three games, I've spent hours and hours and hours of watching people play that game, and I know I would I would be a fan. So it's tough. I to that. I think I'm increasingly convinced by. By what's been said by you guys uh, about SMT. And... Will... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, like, I don't want to. How do I put this? Like, there are some. I do take some issues with SMT, like, not with the characters, but kind of like some of the story beats. And I mentioned those earlier, and that they are disappointing. Um, so, like, if this came out in other years where there's maybe stronger competition, I might not have it as my game of the year. But, like, out of all the stuff I played, which most of my favorite games were on handhelds, it's still, like, all the things it does well, all the things it improves from SMT4, and all the things it retains from SMT4, um, in terms of, like, the fusion, some of the fusion mechanics and things like that, I just think it's one of the strongest in that series, and it does a lot of things really well, even if it doesn't do everything perfectly. So. All right. I, yeah. Let's catch I, the vote. Well. I don't think that it has to come to a vote. No. I, yeah, what, I what about what about what about Witcher third? Stardew sounds second, good. SMT first. That sounds aces. I think that sounds that's a really good list. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think in my personal list, I might have like Fire Emblem Conquest sneak in there, but I, you know, that's just me <laughs> with my whatever. <laughs> My personal list would be the Steam port of Final Fantasy IX in all three <laughs> spots. And then they're followed by the mobile version, and then... Yes. Uh, I, think I do that, think this uh, year was really weak for, like, the big screen RPGs. Just, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, you know, we say that, but, you know, we're staring down the barrel of a year in which there will be... Because all the good yeah, games... Mass Effect game, yeah. her, several big new IPs from first parties. Stormblood. And all those yeah. there will be, there, there will be yeah. a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm ready. To so we have to defend the uh, Final Fantasy 15 exp- 14 expansion. I'm gonna have a pitchfork against Persona 5 to kind of stab it. Get back oh, there! Yeah. You can't win every category. You can't win. Yeah, it's every too category. bad Stormblood's coming out the year that Persona 5. Oh boy! Honest, honestly, everyone's so certain. I wouldn't be surprised if near near snook in there because if oh, that game. If it, it, I, just seeing I, the, well, the people involved, that game looks going to be... Oh my, it, I can't even formulate really words. Good, but from what I've played of Persona 5 already, I mean... I don't know. Like, it's going to be tough. All right, yeah, all right, it's going to be tough. I can't think of okay. anything that I would actually complain about with that game. Well, I, wish, I wish Final Fantasy XIV's expansion the best of luck in a year when there will in, in, in a year when there will be Cybernetic. a Mass Effect game and a Persona game. <laughs> 
Uh, and the and... fully realized version of FF15. And oh, oh, you know the <laughs> It's an expansion, right? All right, so let's, let's just wrap this up. Final Fantasy XV Director's Cut. Yeah. How much more energy there okay. is talking about next year than so this let, year? Let's, let's just cap it off then, because I'm sure it's like... So hang on, so hang on. Are we, are we in agreement, Andrea, Aaron... People who didn't speak up specifically then right. are we are we good with one two three being, um, Witcher third, Stardew second, and SMT four Apocalypse first? Yes. Yeah. For you, and that's an interesting list for sure. Not what I thought was going to be. Yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, like it's that. this every almost every category has has surprised me. Um, Last Guardian Game of the Year. Deal with it. <laughs> I, <agree with> <laughs> I do can't we, wait to play that game. So, do we know what the reader's choice turned out yet? Or no, no, we'll keep that. Well, no, there's no point in saying it on here because it's being recorded. And also, we're not going to close that off until much closer because obviously, we're doing this now halfway through December, but this stuff will be going up, you know, in between Christmas and New Year. The reason we do it now is so we now have plenty of time to prep video and it, articles and all that stuff. It feels so, so weird, yeah, because no one mentioned Dragon Quest Seven ever. <laughs> I want to just point that out, but I, I just to... I still haven't played it. So. Yeah, I thought Dragon Quest Seven was okay, but like when you compare it to SMT and Fire Emblem, and even like for me, like Sharon the Wanderer, I think those are all better. So oh, man. Yeah. I just I just want to point that out handled. because I'm looking at Rita's choice and. It is totally against everything we just talked about, <laughs> but you know it's 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 funny to see like the more popular opinion like that. In any case, yeah, let's just go and wrap it up. So once again, best over RPG of 2016: number three, The Witcher Three: Blood and Wine; number two, Stardew Valley; number one, and best overall RPG of the year: Shin Megami Tensei Four: Apocalypse. That is along with the other winners of these categories that I'll quickly read off. Best RPG from an independent studio in 2016, Stardew Valley. Best small screen, Shin Megami Tensei 4 Apocalypse. Best big screen, Witcher 3 Blood and Wine. Best overall, once again, Shin Megami Tensei 4 Apocalypse. None of the games I wanted to win won any categories. <laughs> so just... Well, that's good. <laughs> Nept- I mean, Neptunia's me, never going to win anything. Uh, last so, year, yeah, got yeah, never gonna, but, you but can for vote me... on, like most like anime garbage game <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'll yeah. be honest I, I'll be honest I did I, I sort of expected Final Fantasy to squeak in as a runner up on big screen I'm surprised about that yeah I'm just, um, I, just, uh, I just feel incredibly like you know honored that like a lot of the picks that I had like uh, were either runners up or, or one you know like I, I'm so glad that like Trails of Cold Steel 2 and Odin Sphere get the shine like the steamrolled heist even like it's amazing it's amazing amazing like you're complimenting yourself <laughs> no no i'm glad that like you guys were able to like i guess i know it's nintendo switch like, like thank you for hearing me out on this and being able to be convinced that like you know that these are good games that like deserve you know the awards that they that they got yeah I'm you know glad what the true the real game of the year was though the real game of the year is the dinner that's going to happen in like 10 minutes. Yeah, there you go. I'm really hungry. Along the way. <laughs> Dragon's Dogma, uh, Docker is, is game of the year every year. Final Fantasy IX. Yeah. All right, Final Fantasy IX. All right, great. Right, we should wrap this up. So right, thank so... you to anybody who has listened to our, to our mad debates. Yes. Uh, you will find, if you're listening to this through the podcast feed and you just want to read uh, our detailed write-ups where we justify the decisions we've made, uh, today then you can find that on the website or there'll be like a video version of that on the youtube channel rpgsite.net youtube.com forward slash rpgsite.net 
Uh, if you want to shout at us, there's comment sections. Uh, <laughs> and um, and I guess that's that. I remember. And then we'll be back I, in. I think we're upset with like, our last year's pick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think, well, yeah. they're always upset. But well, I think I think one thing yeah. we will have to we'll have to try and do uh, at some point in the next proper podcast we do is maybe we should do a a look forward at 2017 where we just get a list of stuff we know is coming out or that we think is coming out and we discuss and we try and get together a similarly big group. Um, I think that'd be a fun idea. Yeah, yeah I think that I we bet. try to do something similar. We did something similar last year, but it was just in the normal group. So that'd be that'd be pretty awesome. But like, um, even if yeah. there's a lot of stuff already announced, but then the stuff that we don't know is coming. But like, yeah. I think there's a strong chance Final Fantasy VII's first part will be out next year. So and you know, it'll be fun and you know, to game of the year 2017 might be Danganronpa. <laughs> no, it's, it could uh, be. Uh, that's not an RPG, so that's not going to win. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy because 2017 is also going to be a huge year for the site itself proper. Uh, got a, a yeah, whole new design, stuff, new design, new video stuff, changes coming to other things that we've got more video, way more video content is planned, and podcast, of course, is also going to get some changes too. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, it's it's going to be uh, even bigger year. 2016. Uh, I just want to mention it was our 10 year anniversary as a site, and I think that's yes. it's an amazing accomplishment considering how it was kind of rough going there for a few years, and then we really took off. Uh, Alex, yeah. I want to I want to just want to mention that you you were by yourself there for a little bit. <laughs> no one really knows about that for like a couple of years. You were the only one holding up the site until everyone else came back, and then bumped it up from there yeah so. well you know it, it was worth it you know yeah. i think the site is um is doing some really fucking cool stuff now yeah, and it's I'm crazy really grateful for all your work and everybody who reads and listens and watches it's it's really humbling and lovely so yeah, <laughs> yeah it's 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 insane how far we've come and now it's like people publishers are coming to us as opposed to back then when yes, it was fairly tough it's tough uh um but yeah in any know. case and i think yeah. You know, I'm sure our audience will, will will shout at us and call us pricks for our picks. Um, hey, that'd be very, you know, that'd be very idea. gratifying. <laughs> be very awesome, gratifying. Right? Yeah. Shove it in their faces. So until yeah. next year, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, have a happy new year, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Have, have a happy happy, everyone happy holidays, happy new year. But I, I want to yeah. quickly, of course, want to thank everyone for uh, on the podcast for joining us. Thank you, Josh, Adam, Kyle, Andrea, Aaron, Brian, Alex, Darren, who's no, who's not with us right now, but I thank him very much he's for not his dead. crazy. He's just he's, he's not with us anymore. Sadly <laughs> departed. He... I'm surprised we all aren't dead. He, you know, that's what he gets for for his picks. You know, someone came well, out. He came out for, for that. He well, wanted us to vouch for apocalypse, so yeah, look where we ended he up. Got he got apocalypse, <laughs> and he, you know, kickstarted the 2016. Thank God, uh, we're about to say goodbye to 2016 because what a hell of a year in many respects. Uh, 2017 though is, is amazing um thanks everyone for listening for what is sure to be over seven hours of content for this podcast but go check out everything Yeesh. else that we talked to. yeah alex i'm sure it's like in the dead of the night from where you're at but we'll wrap things up thank you everyone very very much for sticking with us not just in the past 10 years for just this everything that we've put up with um we're very excited to see how things go we really appreciate all the comments it's been very it's been a hell of a ride and we can't wait to mm. you know continue from there um, thanks everyone. It's been it's been great. And thanks and thanks everyone and catch you next time on another edition of the Tetracast. Bye everyone. Goodbye. Happy Stormblood Game of the Year twenty seventeen. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>